What's up, Crippa? Another week. Fun one. Yep, incoming. You can turn your camera and microphone on now. There you go. We're all here. We got some pretty intense topics on the uh, on the card tonight. Hopefully, hopefully my microphone sounds better, Crippa. Does it does it sound better? I made some adjustments. I lugged I lugged a couch up into my up into my studio. And I, and I changed the microphone settings on my interface, so I'm hopefully sounding a lot cleaner, a lot the, less the, echo. The, the acoustics are really good. Um, good. I, I, I recently took a shower, so my beard is super, super wet, so it's all, like, sponged up. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, incoming yeah. insight, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me again. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back. It's been uh, oh, oh yeah, always welcome here. And even the show last time was fantastic. Thank you for uh, providing your insight. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, and it, and it's great yeah. that that is our that is our most our most watched podcast. It yeah. is almost a it is almost a thousand views on YouTube. Almost almost a hundred views on um, on the podcast app. So people people are liking it. So I I, I talked to Crippa, and I figured if people are wanting us to talk about politics. Me and Kripa and you can talk about anything and remain calm and, and nonpartisan and, and not too opinionated. We can just look at the facts, talk about what's actually going on, and maybe try and come up with some kind of some kind of pointers to get people to uh, have some solace in the situation. So Kripa, before we get to anything, we should talk about our beers. Did you have time to grab some beers on your escapades today? Unfortunately, I did not. Uh, again, apologies, guys, for making this run behind a little bit tonight. But I've uh, been all over town. Uh, Houston's a big place, so uh, not a habit out of making it. Uh, sorry, not making it a habit, but uh, running an hour behind tonight. But um, no beer. Well, then I, I need to be. I need to be getting loaded on uh, Caribou Blonde. Caribou Blonde from St. George, BC. It is a great brew. It's a light lager. That's what I'm drinking tonight. So we're talking about politics. We're talking about left-wing politics we're talking about right-wing politics we're talking about what's going on in israel palestine uh we're gonna get we're gonna get the uh the views of the of the polar opposite ends of the spectrum on that situation um you okay so a little bit of a background uh a we're all different races i believe we're 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 raised in all different religions we live on entire different different parts of the continent so I think this is a good this is a good melting pot to have a really really in depth conversation and get lots well, of different points of view. One thing that we do share that maintains or that rather is a good argument and I think a testament to every single one of us maintaining to be impartial whatever it is we sub uh, we bring up to discuss uh, irrespective of subject matter is that all three of us maintain both religiously independent and yep. are all Western citizens. Yeah. So sharing that in common, I think we bring a certain objective frame uh, that we can kind of look at this and try to look at what's actually really going on. And I, too, especially out of most of the issues that we ever get to discuss on this podcast, are less informed more so than ever, especially when it comes to this one. But obviously, uh, it's been coming up uh, more, and more and more recently in the last few weeks in Western media coverage, all kinds of uh, protests and riots in uh, London and the UK as well, so... Yeah, lots of shit, lots of shit going on, yeah. and and we're, we're gonna get into it. But I, I personally believe a lot of it has to do with religion. 
So I wouldn't mind if we just uh, declared. I know that we are both religious. We're all three of us are religiously independent and have our own views on religion. Right. But I was I was raised Catholic. Uh, what about you guys? Um, incoming. Would you like to go first, or should I? Um, I was born into uh, a Muslim community where I was uh, raised in a Catholic country, right, Venezuela. But I, I am not a believer. I am not a practicing. I, I, no, neither, neither am I. Neither am I. But I am a confirmed Catholic. My name is on a fucking piece of paper in the Vatican. My name is on there somewhere. I'm one of the. I'm, I'm one of the registered citizens at the fucking. The Pope knows who I am. I bet. No, I'm just joking. What about you, Kripa? Well, insofar as a matter of God, I don't trust or believe anybody that pretends to know. What, if a god did exist, would intend or will. That's crazy yeah. talk. Um, but my parents, my mom especially, Brahmin, um, so raised, like, born rather Hindu. I went to Catholic institutions throughout my life. I was raised throughout the Western world. I read much up on Taoism as well as Buddhism. Um, not less familiar with Islamic and uh, Judaic culture. But more Me exposed too. to them through life, lifestyle, just knowing people that are Jewish and Muslim, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. or affiliated with those cultures. So um, we, we were all religions. Yeah. We were all raised Catholic. All of us were raised in Catholic institutions. We're all we're all citizens of the Western world. Yeah. So that's why I try to bring that one up. Like we all philosophically share certain viewpoints. Yeah, and, and none, none of my none of my viewpoints are Catholic. I just think it's interesting that we no, that, all, that yeah. all of us grew up in, in, in Catholic environments because we're because Western, yeah. right? Totally, totally. But where I where I grew up is like half Protestant, half Catholic, right. you know. And and so it's not. I consider Catholicism to be different than Protestant Christianities. And it, what what is the most prevalent religion in North America? Catholicism or or or, or some sect of of uh, Protestant? I have no idea. How do you mean? Like, uh, do you think there's more Catholics or Protestants in, in the Western world, in North America? Catholics, I think, are more the minority demographic, but they have a stronger foothold. But Protestants okay. is the more generic meaning to, like, it's, like, more of an umbrella terminology, especially when it comes to, like, Catholics. Because, like, the question is, okay, how seriously do you ultimately believe in the first Ten Commandments? Then do you subject to the Old Testament? Do you believe in the Apocrypha? And what are your stances on certain issues? And that ultimately distinguishes the different types and sects of Christianity. Right. But 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 but, but what I'm saying is that Protestants have a yeah. different like Catholics worship the mother Mary whereas Protestants don't. They worship her as a saint. Is that not true? Like I well, I didn't pay attention going growing up in school to be honest. I'm sure I'm sure there's subtleties but to my understanding of it right is like if you look at the the history of it is like the Catholics are more like pure puritanical if you will. Right. Where the Protestants are more like an umbrella terminology, whereas and it, right. and, and, and like the difference being is ultimately uh, the like in what modern Western history being, when did we have a separation of church and state? Both first in the Europe, Europe being England, um, and then that transpire that that like um, that taking that and then applying that to uh, the thirteen colonies. Obviously, here we have much more of a religious inspiration and, and more recent political terminologies, uh, especially because of the existence of the Southern Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. So, like, those are certain demographics that we target when we when we have political uh, rhetoric that's generated. Right. right. Um, but, like, 
the, the subtlety between Protestant and Catholic. Like, so Catholics are generally bigger, like on abortion and stuff like that. Where Protestants are more like, eh. I know what are what are the specific differences right. though? Like, I don't know. I, I was raised Catholic. I hated church. I'm not it's religious kind of, at all. I don't. I, I'm just wondering what the main difference is because. The, yeah. the town that I grew up in, there was a Catholic school and a Protestant school. There was a public school and a Catholic school. Like, they went to different schools. So, so they're learning. Uh, is it just more more, more uh, discipline regarding religion? What do you think, Incoming? What's the difference? Between Catholics and uh, I, I really have, uh, you know, I, I don't really know much in detail no. about what is it. I don't either. I, don't I went either. to, yeah, I went to uh, Venezuela. We went to private schools, but they were not religious-based. Uh, so I'm not sure. Can okay. we look it up? I mean, yeah. just to make sure. Uh, so it's maybe. Ar yeah. Already have, but it's more of like. Um, yeah. I think I think Catholics are more like widespread. Like right. you can find Catholics in more nations all over the yeah, world. Yeah, there's like a billion. Like there's like a billion Catholics. All right. Okay. But uh, so like the the twelve major differences between being Protestant and Catholic. Let's hear. One it. is the one is the Pope. Catholics have a Pope, like the Pope. They consider like the the Vier of Christ. Right, okay. the car of Christ. Um, the Protestants don't believe in the Pope, right? Okay. Two is like cathedrals. Catholics have them. Protestants don't. Really? Right? Yeah. Three. Saints. I thought I thought Lutherans. I thought Lutherans had cathedrals. Um, but like Lutherans are, I believe, somewhere between these two. Catholic. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was like a pro it was like a progression. So like uh, three three is saints, right? Catholics pray to saints uh, in addition to God and Jesus. Protestants acknowledge saints, but they don't pray to them. Right, and that's where, like, Mother Mary saying Hail Marys. And I remember every time I got shit by my priest growing up, I had to say Hail Marys, Hail Mary, full of grace. You know, I, I had to go through that and repeat that, like, ten times. That's right. a prayer to a saint. So that's kind of what I was touching on earlier when I said that they worship Mother Mary, the Saint Saint Mary, they worship her um, more more than Christians do. So there is these subtle differences. So keep on going. This is interesting. Right, so, like, like baptisms, right? So, like, holy water. That's a Catholic thing, right? Celibacy okay. and nuns. Right, so like stances on abortion, right? Catholics only. Okay. Purgatory and Judaism, right? Catholics only, right? Like, sorry, sorry, purgatory is like Catholics and Judaism, right? So we'll bring that up later. Okay. Right, scripture, as far as scripture, um, uh, the, the beyond all Protestants. So, okay, so like the word of God is what's good for Protestants, right? Um, okay. For Catholics, in tradition to just what is beyond scripture, there's like the Pope and other things that apply, right? Okay. Things including, but not limited to, like, things like the Apocrypha, right? Um, Jesus, cat... Catechism? Catechism, catechism yeah. is church homework. Church homework, okay. bro. I, I used to have to do homework. I used to do homework for church. After my and I, my my dad wouldn't let me go to a Catholic school because my dad's an atheist engineer, but my mom wanted to be raised Catholic because she was raised Catholic. So I to get confirmed, I had to do fucking catechism, church homework after school. After I'm done my school homework, I had to do goddamn church homework so I could get confirmed to the church. And because I didn't go to the Catholic school, the priest fucking hated my guts and treated me, treated me like absolute shit, man. Treated me like absolute shit. It was, like, so disturbing. I was his number one culprit, like, for everything. I did everything. I was the guy who did everything wrong. I was the blasphemous one, you know? It was crazy. So I'm curious now, so, so Kripa, since we're, since we're on the topic of comparing religions, yeah. you, you mentioned that there was some similarities between Catholicism and Judaism. Why don't, why don't we look up similarities between Catholicism and Judaism? Well, one is the notion of purgatory. 
which I'm not okay. so good at explaining, but I know that both religions believe in this notion of purgatory. That's well, nothing, right? Now, yeah, Absolutely. between now and what's next. Yeah, nothing. Whatever, like waiting. Yeah. yeah. Like, a wait, like a waiting room. Yeah. I'm just curious because, because Judaism and, and Catholicism are probably similar in age, are they not? Like, they're both very ancient religions. So maybe they do have some, th- some things in well, common. I brought it up to Christianity and Judaism. Um, because it would be like uh, a more more adequate uh, comparison. Comparison, than, okay, right? Okay. Because Catholicism is more a sect of Christianity, and Judaism right. is more like the overarching. So, like, okay. um, just looking up similarities. Thank you, Wikipedia. All right. Yeah, this is this is the best. <laughs> um, they're both monotheisms, um, right? Uh, both are the most prevalent number of believers for major religions. Uh, or sorry, religions. Um, both believe in the Old Testament, meaning okay. the uh, Ten Commandments, right? Um, yeah, what was what was God's name in the Old Testament again? Yeah, he had a... Yahweh. Yeah, Yahweh, 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 was it not? Like, wasn't it very vicious? Is that why it was? Is that why it was rewritten by scholars and then and then interpreted and then metaphorically rewritten and then rewritten again and then rewritten again and then rewritten again and then rewritten again by the kings? The kings rewrote it. The politicians rewrote it. The the religions rewrote it. Everybody rewrote it. Now they got the New Testament. So they 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 uh, they both believe in the Old Testament, which is some hardcore shit. Wasn't that part of the Reformation? I'm not, again, an expert in religion, but I know that there was a reformation in both Judaism and and Christianity. So I'm wondering if that's part of reformation when the Old Testament, New Testament is the result of reformation. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. No idea. (laughs) So I think the the major differences, especially with those, um, as they progress through their own reformations, historically speaking, and I'm not, I too am not a, like, an like, expert in, in history or religious history, um, theology even. But especially with these religions, it's like you have the Old Testament and then you have certain subtexts of like um, things like the Apocrypha and like the New Testament. And then it's like, do we include these right. values in our society? Right. And that ultimately is the, different, the difference between these different sects of Christianity. Right, and they're like fundamental, like no's or yes on certain stances, mm-hmm. um, and maybe maybe focusing maybe the the Christians different sects of Christianity put different focus on different books of the Bible, like how many books in the Bible is there? Ten, ten books in the Bible? I, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Like it if starts off with Genesis. With yeah. It starts off with Genesis. The Old Testament is all is it starts with Genesis. Yeah. The create the creation of everything, and then it goes into d- different books from different. Christian prophets throughout time, and it's all a compilation of different books. So, so that being said, well, we're even talking- that, like, even that, like, what is the version of the Bible, right? right. We're on the King James. What is it like the sixth? Edition? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Is That's the most, exactly like, the point so I was making. It's been refined Rewritten. throughout the ages. So many there, times. there was a wicked. There was a wicked quote from David Cross. Do you guys know David Cross, the comedian? Okay. Uh, it's it, just a wicked quote about. Yeah, why would you believe in something that's being rewritten and rewritten and rewritten by kings and rewritten by history and rewritten and then edited and rewritten and rewritten and reformatted and metaphorically assessed and all these things? And it was well, why, why would you believe in that? But anyway, I can't I can't think of the quote off the top of my hand because it was like a, it was like a paragraph and a half long. 
But okay, so we've we've identified that we grew up. We're we're growing up in Christian territory. Like that, that's where we grew up. That's where we that's where we live. We live in the well, Western world. Whether it is whether Christian we, territory. Whether whether we agreed with or disagree with the fundamental principles that come with Western theology's beliefs and social sociological practices. Yeah, all three of us are citizens of the Western world, that's and right. we are more inclined to believe in associate and and propagate those practices than we are other practices supported throughout the world irrespective of our own religious beliefs and that's just by association you're saying well, well yeah but at the same time like at the end of the day if it's us or china like fuck china mm -hmm. sorry disney but, but, disagrees with me on that one but that's but this thing. is it, it, it's it's that type of thing yeah. That's go that's going on with Israel and Palestine right now. They're both saying fuck each other. They're both say, they're both giving giant fuck yous to each other. That's what we came here to talk about. Would okay. you guys do you guys want me to open up with the B, the BBC article? Well sure, we can we can talk about what's going on in that region. Um, but but historically well, let's speaking, give it, let's let, give let, it. let me finish up let me finish up with a couple more similarities then. Because okay. to most of us in the Western world Christianity is like the go-to frame of reference, right? Right. So this right. involves both Judaism and, and to a level, Islam as well, right? So they're okay. both monotheisms. They both have a similar comparable number of believers. Uh, they're both believers in the Old Testament. They both refer to and acknowledge the uh, existence of the Holy Spirit. Um, both uh, have religions originating from Palestine. Christianity is said to be derived, uh, derived from Judaism, especially because the Second Temple Judaism... Um, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew were the initial major language used in both religions. So okay. based on that, we can kind of tell what uh, the historical periods of both. And both also believe in the notion of a trinity, um, which is actually open to... Like, the, father, the, son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but this notion of like a, a three-god, three-form god thing. Because yeah, even, okay. like, even though like Hinduism is a um, not a monotheism, they also do have the notion of a trinity. So like, it, it, anyway. So, do, you know, do you know a lot about Hindu? More than your average, right, Joe? Yeah. Okay, so was that was that kind of pushed upon you as a kid? Well, well, in Hinduism, right, you have like so, like in Christianity, for instance, right. I'm not sure what the frame of reference is for Judaism, but like in in Christianity, you have what is it the the son, what the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Right. Those that's Trinity. Right. So like in in Hinduism, you have uh, the Creator, the Destroyer, and the Teacher. Okay. Right. So, uh, Brahma is the teacher, um, what, what is it, uh, Vishnu is the creator, the defender, okay, okay. and Shiva is the destroyer, okay. and, and the bringer of death. And so that's its own trinity. And those are so those like the... What, so like, um, yeah. what, what significance and importance does the elephant of Krishna have in Hindu? Do you have any idea? Well, well, like what the elephant, I think, is more like symbol, uh, uh, symbolic of like I believe uh, one of the children of Shiva is Ganesh. Okay. So like he has an elephant head, and then there's like a whole backstory okay. to that. Right, 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 like right, those. right, right. Because uh, yeah. I just recognize Krishna as the elephant. Um, okay. Yeah. So so should we? Okay. So the, what what I kind of had planned. I know you guys are busy, but I've been thinking about I've been thinking about this all day. About how to present this, yeah, and I, and I wanted to give an overview of why there is conflict between, like, separating Jerusalem essentially. Uh, why why is that conflict existing? So I figured I'd read a BBC article about why there is conflict. We can have a discussion about that article, and then we can get into the way the right 
the of, of the Western world, the, the conservatives, the way they feel about the situation, the way the, the left or the liberals feel about the situation, and then the way that the, uh, that the centrists feel about the situation, to kind of get a full compass of what everybody in, in, in the Western world is thinking and feeling about this intense situation that is affecting everybody's uh, psyche these days. So are you cool if I read that article? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this is from the BBC. It is called Israel-Gaza the Violence, the Conflict Explained. The latest violence followed a month of rising tensions in Jerusalem, though the conflict has gone on for decades. A 100-year-old issue. Britain took control of the area known as Palestine after the ruler of that part of the Middle East, the Ottoman Empire, was defeated in World War I. The land was inhabited by a Jewish minority and Arab majority. Tensions between the two peoples grew when the international community gave Britain the task of establishing a national home in Palestine for Jewish people. For Jews, it was their ancestral home, but Palestinian Arabs also claimed the land and opposed the move. Between the 1920s and 40s, the number of Jews arriving there grew, with many fleeing from persecution in Europe and seeking a homeland after the Holocaust of World War II. Violence between Jews and Arabs and against British rule also grew. In 1947, the UN voted for Palestine to be split into separate Jewish and Arab states, with Jerusalem becoming an international city. The plan was accepted by Jewish leaders, but rejected by the Arab side and never implemented. The creation of the Israel and the catastrophe. In 1948, unable to solve the problem, British rulers left and Jewish leaders declared the creation of the state of Israel. Many Palestinians objected and the war followed. Troops from neighboring Arab countries invaded. Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians fled and were forced out of their homes in what they call Al-Nakba, or the catastrophe. By the time the fighting ended in the ceasefire the following year, Israel controlled most of the territory. Jordan occupied land, which became known as the West Bank, and Egypt occupied Gaza. Jerusalem was divided by Israeli forces in the west and Jordanian forces in the east. Because there were never a peace agreement, each side blamed the other, and there were more wars and fighting in decades which followed. It's almost over. In another war in 1967, Israel occupied East Jerusalem and the West Bank, as well as most of the Syrian Golan Heights and the Gaza and the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. Most Palestinian refugees and their descendants live in Gaza and the West Bank, as well as in neighboring Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. And that's where incoming's point of view really comes into play. Neither they nor their descendants have been allowed by Israel to return to their homes. Israel says this, were, this would overwhelm the country and threaten its existence as a Jewish state. Israel still occupies the West Bank, and although it pulled out of Gaza and UN still regards a piece of land as part of occupied territory. Israel claims the whole Jerusalem as its capital, while the Palestinians claim East Jerusalem as the capital of a future Palestinian state. The U.S. is one of the only handful of countries to recognize Israel's claim to the whole city. In the past 50 years, Israel has built settlements in these areas where more than 600,000 Jews now live. Palestinians say they are illegal under international law and are obstacles to peace, but Israel denies it. Gaza is ruled by a Palestinian militant group called Hamas, which has fought Israel many times. Israel and Egypt tightly control Gaza's borders to stop weapons getting to Hamas. 
Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank say they're suffering because of Israeli actions and restrictions. Israelis say it is the only acting to protect itself from Palestinian violence. Things have escalated since the start of the Holy Muslim Month in Ramadan in April 2021, which nightly clashes between police and Palestinians. The threatened eviction of some Palestinian families in East Jerusalem has also caused rising anger. So that is the article. That is up to date. That is from that is from just a couple weeks ago. Um, your thoughts, uh, incoming. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? So, uh, what I know is that actually the the evictions right now, right, the case right now. Uh, so, because every five years, you know, there is something like that going on. Every five years, every five to six years, there is some type of. Uh, um, Conflict, right? Uh, so right now it's uh, specific to a court case. Uh, in my, what I read about, what I know about is that uh, these are homes in East Jerusalem that uh, Jews bought. Uh, they bought, you know, um, in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. So they own that those homes. They are the owners of the homes. Or in the current, I'm, I'm, I mean, if it was late eighteen hundreds, that means that they inherited these properties. And okay. um, right, so Palestinians, they've been living in those homes for decades. Right? They've been living there for decades. Uh, I read somewhere that uh, in 1948, uh, after 1948, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, they took over that particular area. So they actually, uh, you know, allow, I guess, uh, um, Palestinians again to live in those homes and they've been there since, since then. Uh, so what uh, these Jews uh, that own these homes, uh, they decided that they want it back. They wanted to, uh, and there are again, you know, different things going on. So they said that uh, they have no lease there, that the lease have been long overdue. Those were part of the claims in court. And the Supreme Court in uh, Israel uh, agreed with them and decided to evict that these families can be evicted out of their homes. Uh, that's why the protest, uh, the, they protested, I guess. We have the protest okay. on in Israel and right now here in the United States, and as Britta mentioned in other places as well, the protesting I and mean, being evicted from the homes they've been living there. And um, um, it, it seemed, I, I, I looked it up, I wanted to know, I mean, uh, because it seemed that this is part of the settlement expansion. I, um, I found uh, some information online that the uh, people who took the case to court, to the Supreme Court in Israel, are uh, very religious Jews. Uh, they're very, very, you know, and they... Yeah, like, and, and conservative too, correct? Very, very, you know, conservative, very religious, super, super religious, and they are the ones who took this case to court, and... Uh, it seems that this is part of their settlement expansion. And uh, according to international law, too, and I, you, know, you can look it up, it's in Google, uh, it's actually not, uh, it's illegal. And now that's through international law. And I, it seems that right now in, in Israel, the court is, uh, is, you know, is holding on on the, on the, court, on the ruling, uh, you know, see what happened. Even the United States, by the way, uh, is, the United States has never, never agreed with the settlement expansions. All those settled, yeah, settlement. So has uh, has anybody agreed with it besides the Israeli Jews? Just the, and not all. That's what I said. The, the, you know, not just and not the Israeli Jews. They don't agree, right? 
Yeah. They don't. Uh, what uh, they know that, you know, part of the solution is a two-state solution. And uh, I, you know, I've been hearing opinions that this uh, settlement expansion is mm. is is, is going to make if they ever reach a solution, for example, a two-state solution, the settlement is making it basically impossible. So, right. uh, so I think it's uh, you know like. It should be halted. I'm glad that the court decided to just hold off on those evictions to take those people out of their homes to right. see what happens. And uh, what's even more interesting, um, there are two people. Uh, one, um, her name is Rashida Clip. She's from uh, Dearborn. She's from Michigan, and she's a member of Congress. If you've heard about her, she's of, she's of, uh, American uh, and of Palestinian background. And there is uh, someone uh, someone else here in uh, in the state. He's um, part of the state senate as well. And they're both. Uh, I heard you know from the community that they're both uh, introduced um, propositions to the to both Congress and to, you know, to start talking about uh, Israeli aid, American aid, you know, to Israel. Uh, up to now, it's been unconditional. Uh, the United States has an unconditional support of Israel, and they've been talking about make it. Why is that? Why why is there an unconditional support of Israel? What's the history about that? Well, I think it's, uh, it's it comes from the, uh, you know the Nazis. It comes from that time. Uh, I mean, in reality, I mean the Jews have been uh, the people in the world that have been very prosecuted everywhere. Right? They've been discriminated mm. against everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, right. a quarter a quarter of my family was murdered. Right. A quarter, quarter right. of my family. Right. You know? And to this day, they're being discriminated against. I mean, yeah. uh, Latin America. There is uh, racism, form type of racism against them. Right. Right. Them. So it, it it came from that. Is this uh, the United States unconditional support of Jews and the state uh, in the form, you know, the state of Israel as a space. Uh, to uh, you know, that's a safe space for them, uh, for the for the Jews in the world. So it, it comes I, I, from, I think that. from that, if I'm not mistaken. Well, right. What is what's your opinion on that, on that situation, Kripa? What's really interesting with the entirety of this issue is you're dealing with two religions that are more than religions or cultures. So you have the Declaration of Nation States, right? We try to differentiate and distinguish the separation of state here in the United States, but we are predominantly a Christian nation, right? But you look at what's going on in the Middle East, most Middle Eastern nations are of Islamic descent, or they, they believe they're, they're the Muslim ways, right? But Israel is obviously the, um, the Judaic nation-state. Um, it borders Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and Palestine. And Palestine obviously being divided between the Gaza Strip you have towards the, uh, the, the uh, southwestern portion, as well as the West Bank, where you get the division between West and East Jerusalem. Right. Um, and the majority of this actually has to do not with even current political beliefs, but historic ones, involving the origins of these, origins of these religions, claiming that these lands belong to these peoples. And to most average Israeli citizens... This isn't, like, the biggest issue. They're not like, oh, these people have to be out of Palestine. They're like, it's not the biggest thing to them. They're, not, they're, they're, they're just other human beings, too. But um, definitely from a conservative religious point, they want these people to move. And the bottom line is I think all of us are against 
the mass relocation of any peoples. Mm-hmm. Irrespective of who the actor may be or what the cause may be. Um, but, but, but in fact, wasn't Israel basically the result of mass relocation of people? Well, no, but that's the, that's the thing, right? So here's the other thing, right? So, like, the mass relocation of people is bad. That being said, the people of Israel, like, like people in Judaism, have been historically and globally persecuted against for so many, in so many different ways that they ultimately only really got a seat at the table after declaring their own nation of Israel and developing, developing their own Israeli intelligence apparatus. Which is why which is what resulted, which is what results with them because of where they are in the Middle East for us being a Western ally, and and for all the things that they've done throughout the ages, even if it's Nazi hunting to developing the fifty caliber fucking Deagle pistol, all the right. different cool stuff that the Israeli intelligence apparatuses does, um, it, it, it tries to fight and believe strongly for their people, and it, it has given them a serious seat at the table of Western allies. And what and about so that's why whatever they do we have to blindly kind of side with. Right. But this is one of those issues, especially in the West, especially in these last few weeks, where it's been getting a lot of coverage about going this back and forth and the conflict arising and the casualties arising from this conflict of, like, people openly opposing it and, like, really questioning why is this going on? What is the cause of this? How can we resolve this? You know? Where this has been an existing and ongoing conflict for a very long time. Yeah, over a hundred years. So, yeah. um, so now who who is the global superpower that is that is backing Palestine? That is stopping Israel from just going in there and fucking demolishing shit? Who's backing the Palestinians? That's a good question. I have no idea. Is there like is, is there China a, is, is China like backing the Palestinians? Is there an official support of Palestine? I don't know. Who there's there's got to be. There's got to be something. There's, one of the countries has to be putting in some weight against against uh, against uh, Israel. Israel. Someone has to be protecting the Palestinians uh, as far as politics goes. Like someone must be looking after them. Who's got their back? Well, so like, does Russia? Does Russia have their back? No, the international community has their back as well. They are the the, the conflict is uh, is important for every single country in the world, including the United States. And, and why why why? Well, the difference is right. So, like, if you look at the the world, right? If you look at what the world is in like in geopolitical terms, hegemony, right? And you look at spheres of influence of different nations and different places, uh, economically, and then like physically, and then with uh, with military powers and resources. Um, each country is like a different player in this kind of like giant game of risk or monopoly, if you will. And that's kind of how the UN manages to have civil discussions about major international policies. So it's the UN. It's the UN protecting policy. Here's the thing. To have a seat at the UN, right, you have to be recognized as a country, right? You can't just, like, you and I can't just go ahead and throw up a fucking flag that's got some beards on it and go, yeah, we want a seat at the UN. Brews, beards, and brains. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Give us a seat at the UN. No, that's not how that works. Right? You have to be recognized as a country, as a nation so, state, so as both, a body. So both Israel and Palestine are recognized as nation states by the UN? By a majority of countries within the UN, right? Right. So, like, Israel just refuses to recognize Palestine... As a, as a nation state, and right. vice versa. 
Exactly. Well, well, I don't think Palestine refuses to accept Israel as a nation. It's just they 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 want their land, right? So some of the countries that do in fact recognize Palestine, right? China, India, the United States, Indonesia, Pakistan, Brazil, Nigeria, Bangladesh, Russia, Mexico, Japan, Ethiopia, the Philippines, Egypt, Vietnam, uh, the Congo, Turkey, Iran, Germany, Thailand, the United Kingdom. Wow. France, Tanzania, Italy, South Africa, Kenya, Myanmar, South Korea, Colombia, Uganda, Spain. This is just an order of population. Argentina, Sudan, Algeria, Ukraine, Iraq, Afghanistan, Canada, right. Poland, okay. Morocco, Saudi Arabia, the list goes on. So a majority yeah. of nations involved in the United Nations actually do recognize Palestine as their own nation. But at the same time, they can't like step in against Israel because they, they are also allied with Israel. Right. So this so, becomes so a I mean, geopolitical thing of like we just kind of have to sit back and let the conflict resolve itself, type bit. So how how long was 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 Palestine a country before Israel was put into place? I don't know. Like is the I, I'm is I mean is Muslim culture older than Judaism? I'm curious about that. It's not. No, it's not. Judaism before Islam came after Christianity. Okay. And uh, yes, and uh, uh, in Islam, they you know they say that it's the it's a monotheistic religion, and they say it's the last one uh, you know after Judaism and Christianity. So they uh, in Islam they do acknowledge uh, Judaism and Christianity. Uh, they okay. only have one book, it's the Quran, and it yeah. has never been reformed. It's never been reformed. It's, uh, it's, it's raw, just as it is, just as it was. Just because you just know what that that gives me a little more confidence to be honest because the Bible has been redone so many times besides the Old Testament but then but then again Judaism and Christian and, and Catholics recognize the Old Testament as the Word of God uh, but this is being reformed actually there are a lot of uh, people you know that come from uh, Islam that they believe that Islam should be reformed as well. It's right. just, uh, I don't think it will happen. Uh, well, uh, and that and they the, take pride. And uh, they're also, they also each have their own <clears throat> similar uh, scriptures and texts, right? Absolutely. So, like, obviously you have the Quran for the Islamic people. And then for uh, Judaism, what is it? The uh, the Torah. Um, so there's, there's there's major, like, scriptures that affect uh, <laughs> their theologies and beliefs as well. Uh, the menorah and like different stuff like that. I forget what it is, but it's been a long time, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm saying, sounding like an idiot about these different things. I'm not very much so an expert. I'm not. Uh, we're not religious scholars, man. We're just having a conversation about it. We're, we're learning together. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning together. We're learning together. That's what it's all about. In the area, by the way, it was divided by the British. Right? So if you want to look in that history exactly, I think I'm, I'm not the right person. How many? Do you, have, do you have any idea how many lang like is the Quran available in multiple languages? Like, it, has it ever been okay. rewrote? To, uh, I mean, yes, it's been translated in Spanish and English. And, you okay. know, 110%. Any kind of scripture or, or text you've seen in human history has gone through some form of publishing or the telephone mm -hmm. game. No, so the, the, what, I'm, what it originally was. Yes, and that's what I'm trying to get to is that each time it was translated, uh, ideas and, and, and philosophies and concepts could have been diluted a little bit along the way. Always yeah. something is lost in translation, always, right? And uh, yeah. something about the Quran, though, is that they say, and this is what happens a lot in in uh, countries where they, they have uh, Muslim communities. So only 10% of Muslims in the world are in the Middle East, So which means that they speak Arabic. The rest, the other 90% are everywhere else. 
and their first language is not Arabic. But in Islam, they say they say that you're supposed to read the Quran in Arabic. I mean, right. it's okay really? if you read it in something else, but it's supposed so Pakistanians, for instance. Right. So that kind of that's that's kind of exactly what I'm saying. Exactly okay. what I'm saying. They do believe so, that, but yeah, but. Um, so Palestinians, you know, going back to, you know, I, it, it'd be interesting to look it up, right, exactly, some Nara historians, so I don't remember all the history detail, but Palestinians were there, of course, before Arabs, Arabs had been in that geographical area way before uh, the state of Israel, then uh, Jews uh, started uh, immigrating, right, to that specific area, way, um, before, actually, as, as again, like those homes in East Jerusalem, they were bought by Jews right. who went there late 1800s. So this is right. before World War One and World War Two. Right. So, uh, and uh, and again, something that people forget. But, but World, World War One, World War One is what is when it was established as a safe haven for Jews, was it not? It wasn't the Brits. Was not it the Brits that that instigated the? The, the nation state of Israel? Was it not so, the Brits in World War One? So, so in modern times, the area was ruled by the Ottoman Empire and then ultimately the United Kingdom since 1948 post-World War One. Right. It has been divided into Israel, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, being the components of what is now... now um, Sometimes considered Palestine, right? Based on where you are, but majority 138 out of the 190 some nations, the United Nations consider it a nation. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, the region was amongst the earliest in the world to see human habitation, agricultural communities, and civilization. Right. So this includes okay. all the different peoples that were there: the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persians, yada yada yada. All these religious things kind of started there. So it's very much so like a cradle of life kind of place. So so it is so like a. So the, the birthplace of religion, right. of all religions, of all religions. So everyone right. wants claim to it. Everyone wants claim to it. Precisely. So in, in it's sacred holy land. It's sacred right. holy land. In more you know what is interesting? And what is interesting yeah. is that uh, they live together. They actually they can co they can live next to each other. Like they're not the claiming of the land came again as part of the Zionist Zionist project, right? Uh, and. Uh, that's where it comes from, claiming of that land based on the Old Testament. That right. they say that it belonged to the Jews 5,000 years ago. Um, right. so Pre precisely. So, so, so the Muslims came into the conquest of Palestine circa like the, 16, the 600s, right? So six, right. 630, 640, right? And there's several Muslim dynasties in that region. So that left like all these different sects of people there. Right. Yeah. Years later, right, after World War One, the United Kingdom being there, um, the emergence of Zionism also brought many Jewish immigrants from Europe um, to, like, the, the Declaration of Israel, right, the formation of Israel as a nation-state. Um, right, so during World War One, the British government issued the Balfour Declaration, favoring the establishment for the Jewish people in Palestine, right? So this led to a lot of conflict because there's all these existing people already there. But it's like, okay, now Israel's a place. What do we do with the people that are here that want to declare their own nation known as Palestine? Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so ever since then, it's kind of been this on ongoing, constant battle. So, so the so the debate is 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 more so geographical than culture. Well, both because very much so. Judaism and Islam are more than religions; they're cultural. Yep. Right. You don't you don't necessarily like you don't see too many white guys going around being like Islam. You know, you don't see too many like. Like Jewish guys, like like like, like it's 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 like they're and even both actually like publicly like uh, proclaim that you should probably marry other people of the same beliefs, right? right. They're not like uh, go outside of our own 
belief spectrum. Right. And, and that's that's why I think you know that that's why I wanted to um, really really dip into in a very right wing conservative Ben Shapiro who is Jewish, very conservative. Right. Kind of is a good a good speaking voice for the conservative Jews of Israel because he, he's he's in line with their ideology. So I wanted to hear from him about his. Do you want me to call something up by Ben Shapiro and see what he says about all this? And then we'll, sure, then sure. we'll do something. Sure. Then we'll do Shay Huger. Let's almost catch up a little bit more in the history because we're almost completely up to date, right? Okay. So ultimately, since the 80s, you have the existence of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And their whole thing is to get Palestine actually recognized as a country or nation body state, right? Um, and then a majority of the countries in the UN do actually agree with this. But there has been ongoing violence between both Israel and Palestine, and Israel has consistently been an, consistently been an ally to a majority of nations within the United Nations, including the Western allies. So, therefore, is the conflict and why we don't step in. Okay. So there, gotcha. like, we're, now we're like actually up to date with most of what happened. Okay, Something cool. else that I think is important before you go to Ben Shapiro yeah. is that uh, the way that again why they got mad, right? Just yeah. Put it simple. Want to use simple words. Uh, when they decided uh, to form uh, the state of Israel in 1948, the UN approved it, and they didn't tell anyone in the Middle East. They didn't tell the Palestinians. So the Palestinians went to bed one night, and then the next day they were told that uh, their 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 uh, geographical area, right, their home, it's now not it's, theirs anymore. Now it's Israel. They were not even included in the discussion. They were just, the next day they woke up and it was all of the sudden, it's like, this is supposed to be Israel. Exactly. Uh, most of the countries in the Middle East do not recognize Israel and their maps, uh, it doesn't say Israel, it says uh, occupied Palestine. That's the right. name, that it's occupied Palestine. Those right. who have not recognized Israel. Those who have recognized Israel, like the United States, they call it Israel, and in the maps, and in, in the United States, then you see Israel in the maps, but you won't see those maps in countries that. Okay. It's very interesting. Yeah. No, it's very interesting to think that. Yeah. Okay. So the the only things I'm getting I'm getting, okay, so I'm getting one from um, ignorant media suggests both sides to blame. Okay, so this is going to be very very obviously biased. Ben Shapiro is an extreme right conservative. Well, well, okay, so so we've we've caught up with the history of what's kind of been like going on in the region insofar as generic conflict from an impartial objective ma objective historical manner. Yeah. Um, so what is with the recent flare up and attention? Yes. To the current and ongoing conflicts in this region. I've heard I've heard um, back and forth weapons into populated areas from both sides into both sides, um, casualties, civilian casualties. I think one that theory, may uh, one theory that I heard is that uh, there are um, elections pretty soon in Israel, and the Likud party, Netanyahu, right now is running again. And uh, this is one theory, and it sounds more like a, a conspira uh, conspiracy theory. That the reason why right now this is a perfect timing for conflict is uh, to make sure that they win the elections again. It's like uh, and uh, Netanyahu and the Likud party, again, interestingly and not surprisingly, are uh, conservative, ultra ultra orthodox, super super religious, fanatical religion. So it's, they want to stay in power. Right. So, so that's why this is uprising. So to somebody that's completely ignorant to the situation like myself, right? Me too, um, buddy. There's actual gun conflict and physical explosions and weapons of warfare 
and sects of radical people, both of Islamic and Judaic backgrounds, that are taking casualties back and forth uh, and inciting riots on both sides, correct? And so this is a very unstable region, particularly at the borders of these two nations. Um, you know, I looked at up the videos, what you're saying, Gregor, it, it supports what you're saying. I looked at, I, yeah. I watched the videos that came out, right, from the protest. Right. And uh, someone, uh, you know, people, I mean, confirmed that. Uh, it's interesting because uh, there were the Jews, uh, fanatics, you know, right. ultra ultra conservative religious, they were attacking, so they were civilian, Jews, civilian, right. super, super conservative, super, super religious, they were attacking Palestinian civilians, yeah. okay. and, and the same uh, super religious fanatic uh, Palestinians were attacking uh, civilian Jews, it's just to provoke some type of, uh, to provoke conflict. Like, right. Mm -hmm. Makes sense mm -hmm. because there are those Jews and those Muslims in the area that, if it were not because of the conservative bodies in both, right, in both areas, both in the in Israel and Palestinian, and everywhere else, else, I think they uh, they would say fuck all these people. I think they will be able to reach an agreement and live in peace. They were. They can cohabitate. They did before. And, uh, has there has there ever been a liberal government in Israel? Does anybody it know? Is, it's a democratic nation. I mean, so far, right? I mean, but they're, they're a fairly liberal society. If you look even into the, how eloquent their response was to COVID, every single yeah. citizen of Israel got a vaccine. There was no issue there. They were well ahead of that. Um, so, I mean, they, they do a lot of things really well. I think the issue is, geopolitically speaking, most of the world recognizes both so they don't they're playing like the swiss yeah they exactly can't really quite act but this region is unstable enough to consider is this warfare is this not like what's going on here and people on both sides feel very strongly about the issue and now more so ever especially in the most recent uh, few weeks i believe the prevalence of coverage is coming up for a couple of reasons one, to my understanding, and I'm not too familiar with the beliefs of Islam, and you feels please anyone feel free to correct me on this, but Ramadan was going on, so this was coincided with the beginning of that, and the and to most of you that aren't like familiar with that, that's like a comparable to like the Islamic version of like Lent, if you're Lent, or if you're like Christian, right? Um, it's like it's it's a very fasting involved kind of thing um, for progressive days and a prayer based, um, and now in major cities all over the world, there seems to be an increasing support for pro-Palestinian groups that have been showing their support for what's going on there. And it's very, very much so an interesting topic, because if you talk to your average Israeli citizen, they don't feel so strongly about the Palestinian issue. It is very much so a conservative minority, even within that nation state, that feels so strongly about the issue. Right. Right. So, and it was the end of Ramadan, by the way. End of Ramadan, I apologize. End of Ramadan. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious, if, if Israel is making it very difficult for, for weapons to get into Palestine, who are, who are some of the countries that are trying to give Palestine weapons? Who are these countries? Who, who, is, who, are, the, who are the Israel stopping from coming in? Who's trying to flood Palestine with weapons to protect themselves? Who is doing this? Because Israel has fucking shit tons of weapons and they produce their own weapons. Does Palestine produce their own weapons? 
Israel is the strongest military power in the world. I mean, one of the strongest military yeah. power of the world. They can wipe out uh, the entire Middle East in two hours. I mean, uh, right. but, but of course that would not be good for them because then the entire world community would not, you know, they, it will not, they will right. not look good if they would do something like that, right? Right. They, no, but, but very much so, they are our Western Middle Eastern presence. Yes. In the region. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So to not back them on anything is like a fuck you to the flag of whatever nation you raise. So a lot of conservatives, therefore, because of this, blindly support pro-Israeli policies, no matter how radical they may be, or how few Israeli citizens themselves are very proactive in the matter about it. And, and, that, that, and that's exactly, that's a good segue, because I want to see, it, being Westerners, we're all Westerners, yeah. we're all North American citizens. Right. And I consider I, I wanna... most, that's the thing, I consider most Israeli citizens Westerners. Because if you've yeah. ever talked to somebody from Israel, their their day to day life, even though it's in a different setting or environment to ours, their perception of reality is very much so that of a Western citizen. Right, right, and that that might be part of the problem, and, and that's oh, why that's why I wanted to see. There, there's loads uh, of countries where I travel to where you're like, oh God, this is not America. I'm a right. long way from home. These people right. have no idea when I'm being funny anymore. Right. What am I gonna do? Like, there's right. a lot. Like, but like. Israel's a very modern Western nation, so... So, so if, if, if the conservatives of the Western world are very conservative pro-Israel, yeah. does that by default make the, 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 the more left-leaning liberals pro-Palestine? Is that what we're dealing with in, Western, in the Western world, in North America right now? That's, that's what, unfortunately, it seems to be transpiring to. Mm -hmm, exactly, um, and that's why, that's why I had this idea to showcase... Conservative Westerners and in and, and more left-leaning uh, Westerners and their thoughts on the whole situation, because it might give us a, a bit of insight as to how uh, more left-leaning Israelis are feeling towards the right-leaning government and, and the well, religious doctrine. Here's one thing I have to say: the formation of Israel is very much so dependent on the Israeli intelligence apparatus. Okay, while post World War One and two. Nations, even like the United States, were bringing in through things known as Operation Paperclip, Paperclip, yeah, and and our allies like Russia were bringing in fucking former Nazis that were responsible for the slaughter of these people. Well, states crime free, just United States brought in a bunch of scientists. No, that's what I'm saying. The scientists went everywhere. Werner von Braun, I can't even say his name. Werner von Braun, he's the head of NASA for a while. He, yeah. he was like the head of the V the V uh, V rocket V eighty two rockets. Dude, the, uh, I got a story to tell you guys. I got a story to tell you guys. Well, anyway, uh, my, my point is my point is before we get into that is that we were like, okay, let's fucking take these people and just fuck it. I know they did horrible things. We'll bring them away from after the courts in Nuremberg. We're gonna take them away from this stuff. Just fucking free pass. We'll find you a place to hide. We'll harbor you if you give us this intelligence. We we were part of the relocation of a lot of these people that did horrible and atrocious things to these peoples. That's okay? right. That's right. And and we came into the war after we knew kind of like it was sketchy when we came in because we had an idea that something. Yes, was it was it was well we well sooner. into the war. Well into we, the war. We, we arguably could have acted sooner and saved more lives. Right. Yeah, so they, they came was, in and, and made a big success story out of it. So they, they developed a nation 
From that point in history, they formed a nation, created one of the most powerful military structures in the world, in the Western world. We're talking 70 years. We're talking 70 yeah, years. Right. One of the most like proficient and profound intelligence apparatuses in the world. And brought to justice and hunted down many people that were considered enemies to that nation so that their peoples would never feel prosecuted against or persecuted against anywhere around the That's world. Right. That's, That's respect. right. That's respect. And, and, yeah. and, and even people like amongst the, like, like after the events, unfortunately, that happened in Munich and stuff, like they hunted down these people. They don't just kill the people responsible. They kill the people responsible, their fucking parents and their kids. They have a three generation rule. No other, like, is intelligence community in the world does that. Like, but in its own way, like, fucking respect. That's like a message. Don't you fuck with us. Like... And dude, <laughs> just, just, just talking... You know what I mean? Like... Talking about, uh, like, about all of the, all of the, all yeah. the powerful countries of the world accepted Nazi scientists and Nazi yeah. professionals and Nazi scholars. About 15 years ago... I was doing home care for palliative people, like changing their changing their briefs, cleaning them, giving them bed baths, feeding them, changing their IVs, giving them insulin. I was I was doing house calls for that, and there was this one guy that I used to go to. He was around ninety five years old, still living by himself, still totally ambulatory, and he was fucking old as hell in in his lifetime since World War Two. When he when he came here after the, and I'll tell you why he came here. He had built a castle. In his backyard, it was honestly like a fucking castle with what's the what's the pointy part of a castle called again? The the, the pointy the the keep. pointy yeah it was like a fucking full blown castle this guy had built and I yeah. I and, and I was talking to him and he was looking through a photo album like hey I, I, he just let me walk into his house and say hey man I'm here to make you some food what do you want to have for lunch today and he showed me some pictures and there he is. 18, 19 years old, strapping young lad, SS red banner on his arm, Nazi medals, a whole bunch of awards, and here he is, here he is, 65, 70 years later, in Canada, living peacefully, dying peacefully, receiving aid from the Canadian government. I just thought it was unreal. And he came here, he he had been here, he, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that since the, the late 40s or early 50s, he had been here enough time to build a fucking castle. That's how long he had been here. He there, built a fucking castle. There's all kinds of German towns and settlements spread especially through South America and the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah Argentina. German, Argentina in particular. Apparently that's where Hitler went. Apparently that's where Hitler went. <laughs> Apparently. But like, uh, the, the uh, I don't think he got out. But the, I think but, he but, killed but, himself. Did he not? Isn't that the official story? He I, I killed him so. and his wife killed I, I, themselves. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think he's the type. But who knows what the fuck Hitler did, man? Right? Who knows? Who knows? Who's, that who's, guy was an evil genius. That, I mean, that, crazy. That, that, that's that's his own discussion, right? But yeah. um, there was a case, um, particularly I forget, with um, a worker for a GM factory in Michigan, and I believe this was, I want to say, in the seventies or eighties. Where they discovered that this guy, somebody recognized him. So, like, Israel was, like, proactively looking for people that were related to the war crimes and hunting them down. Well after the fact. And finding these people and extraditing them and bringing them back to to stand trial in Israel. Um, And and there's this guy who they thought was one of the most uh, notoriously responsible people for one of the concentration camps there. Um, and so he was actually extradited from the United States, brought to Israel and tried. There's a really good documentary about it because it's like, was this the guy? Like what's yeah. going on? Cause he denied it the whole time that he was right. this guy. 
but it was like clearly maybe this guy, you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, so, like like yeah. Uh, like uh, one like the one of the one of the the um, have you ever seen Nazi Hunters? The show Nazi Hunters? Uh, no, no. Oh, yeah, check it out. Find find it online. It's it's all it's documentary of actual real time Nazi hunters tracking down elderly men who to, to bring them to justice for the crimes they committed in Nazi Germany. And, and it's all it's all over the whole world, man. It's all over the whole world. Craziness, craziness. Um, and I I find it hard to believe, man. Like I I found out long after my grandmother died. Once my dad pieced things together, that a whole wing. Um, a whole a whole arm of my family is wiped out, and I'll and I'll never know them. I'll never know who they are. I'll never know my cousins. They're all dead. They're all fucking murdered. It's hard to believe, man. And and every that's, single that's just every single every every single every single Jew has the exact same story. You know, it's crazy. That, that's just that. For those of those people that aren't directly implicated. Yeah, they don't feel the loss generationally of people that'll never be that'll that's never right. live that'll get to have. They don't kids, get it. They don't get it. See their kids grow up to see their grandkids. Like I get, I get the projection. They have some of the people. Some of these people that have survived those atrocities. Yeah, go to sleep every night knowing that some of these bastards out there responsible for these atrocities still get to breathe. My grandma and, came and here in nineteen country formed and created an intelligence community that tracked down some of these people are responsible to at least give their people the feeling that there is some accountability, some people to hold for some form of justice. That, and think, I have nothing but respect for that. Think of the level... Think about the Palestine thing. The, the level of fear that was instilled. My grandma moved here in 1941 at 20 years old yeah. with, her, with, no, with nothing and never spoke about her past her entire life till she died at 87 in her sleep. The only time that my dad started piecing things together is when she had Alzheimer's and dementia and started bringing back memories that she couldn't she couldn't she couldn't separate the the, the fear anymore. She was yeah. she was talking like she was 20 years old in Ukraine. She forgot how to speak English. She was telling all these stories. My dad's getting people to translate it for him. It was crazy and she 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 lived for eight for for 60 years. And didn't speak a word of it to her family. Like that's how scared she was. That's how scared she was. And that's what is the reason why I mean the the establishment of a state of the state of Israel really I think is an example to the entire world. Uh, I mean this uh, just putting on the side the Palestinian issue right now, and the the, the idea that this uh, piece of geographical area is a place where Jews can go. And be, you know, supposedly can be safe, right? I mean, it's a, it's a good example. I think it's an example to the entire world. And something else they did that is, I think, part of my field too. That I, I mean, I think it's fascinating. It's incredible. It's the revival of the language. Right? It was a dead language. Uh, so it's a, that's my field. Hebrew. It, it was a they revived. Your, your field is Hebrew. No, his no linguistics. acquisition. Oh, wait, yeah. really? So, can you I speak wish. a little bit of Hebrew? No, 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 not not Hebrew. I wish, uh, but what I mean is, I, I, I was gonna, English. I was gonna ask you to say bruised beards and brains in Hebrew, just so we could clip that shit. <laughs> I wish I knew. No, not Hebrew. It's a it language. Second language. Okay. Okay. And in this, in part of the study, you know, part of my master's program really was to also review 
you know, it, it came out. And something that I, I always, uh, every time I'm doing some type of research related to language and culture, anything, uh, you know, social linguistic type of research, when I look at the research, I, you know, I, where it was done, and it's usually at the University of Tel Aviv, University of, you know, a lot of the research uh, about language and culture is done in Israel itself. And I mean, not surprisingly, again, they, they, what they did with the language, it was something, it was impressive. But, right. To give you an analogy, right, look at the other major religions, right? You look at Christianity, a majority of it, you could be as transcribed or written in Latin. Okay. Right. How, how many people today actually speak Latin? Right. Yeah. Uh, you look at Is Islam, they have Arabic. It's more prevalent as a language, right? Um, the Spanish people as a nation, uh, like, uh, like as, a, as a culture, they don't necessarily have one religion, but they have together at least one language, irrespective yeah. of what nation they may be from, um, mm -hmm. right? Uh, even if you look at, like, let's say, uh, Taoism or Buddhism, some of the other more power, uh, uh, pr prevalent uh, religious beliefs, right? Those are written in ancient Chinese texts that aren't actually spoken or written or read to uh, too often today. So if you actually want to decipher it, it's like an archaic version of Chinese that isn't actually spoken today. Mm. Even Hinduism, uh, there is no one language for India. But the one isn't there, isn't there like 11 or 12 English languages? 23 officially. But 23, that's crazy. There's more dialects in each. Anyway, so like it's a, it's a fuck ton. But like the, the one language that was unified for the language of Hinduism was Sanskrit. Right? But Sanskrit isn't like spoken today. So to think that you can revive the language of Hebrew, um, that is in and of its own self a brilliant uh, point and implication mm -hmm. I, I look mm -hmm. past. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Very That's amazing. Right? No. Oh, so so we've, we've, established, we've established why Israel is so protective over Israel. Now, now, now why is Palestine so protective over Palestine? Be besides it being taken from them, what is what is just sacred land? Is, is that it? The, 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 the history that is involved with the grounds? Is that what the big thing is? So for Muslims, uh, it, it came from Saudi Arabia, right? Uh, that's where, they, so Christianity and Judaism was in Jerusalem, right? And what, what is today in the area, what is today is Israel, right? But Islam came from Saudi Arabia. Uh, but it is considered, I mean, Jerusalem is a place where the Prophet Muhammad went to and is considered also a holy site. So, they, okay. so all three religions so, okay, okay. have been fighting for that piece of land way before this. Yeah, <laughs> thousands, thousands of years, thousands of years. Right, the crusade. Again, I'm not a historian, right, but we know about the crusades. The crusades, you know, we know. Uh, so, it's, yeah, they've been fighting for that little piece of land. And uh, one time, just to put it into perspective, right, because it's, like, it's just so small. I mean, Michigan is 11 times bigger than Israel. Yeah, it's it's Israel, Israel is smaller than New York. It's so small. And then Lebanon is 23 times smaller than Michigan. is 23 times bigger than, you know, than Lebanon. So it's a, it's a, it's a very small geographical area. And yeah, land mass. Yeah. So much problem, right? How many, how many people live in Israel? Any idea? I think about 6 million right now. So that, that I mean, it's the size of a city. So it is, it is thoroughly, right. densely populated throughout the entire geography of it. It's populated everywhere, so 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 it, there's not really any uh, any way to send bombs into the area to make a point. It's like no matter what you do, they're gonna it's gonna come in contact with the population. Israel's on a circa nine nine to ten million. Nine to ten million. So it, it's almost as big as is is Manhattan. 
And that's including Palestinians? Are they, or they? Uh, uh, Palestine, Palestine is close to half that population. So they're right around four to five million. Okay, mm. that's it. So like, you have a very but, small guy. Yeah, but uh, landmass comparably, they're both uh, highly congested areas, and yeah. and, and landmass speaking lies like they're not big places. Right. Like, uh, like Texas is huge. That's why I was running behind. Like I, I live in Houston. I was at my brother's house, and I needed to get back to this place, and that's an hour, and I'm still in Houston. Like that's crazy. <laughs> right. Wow. So yeah. like 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 just to give you an example. So like realistically speaking, like Houston is almost the entire size of. Israel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's insane. That's insane. We think about totally it. insane. Totally insane. Yeah. Wow. Right. Wow, I know. So, 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 so go ahead. Go ahead, incoming. No, I was just gonna say uh, also that uh, I was telling you yesterday. I don't know if it's. I, I think we're going off topic a little bit, but yeah. again, just to talk about Israel a little bit. So when um, uh, when Israel was occupying South of Lebanon, <coughs> right? Yeah. I'm just bringing up Lebanon, right? They occupied it from 82 to 2000, approximately. Uh, so the people from that particular that area in south of Lebanon, they were able to uh, go into Israel, of course, very, uh, you know, with permissions, with, you know. Um, so my aunt, uh, she told us once, she was telling me once, uh, that um, she got caught into Israel while, you know, during the occupation of Lebanon. And uh, she took a bus. She said she crossed the border. And then from there, uh, from right at the border, she took a bus all the way to Tel Aviv. And she has not traveled a lot, a lot. I mean, but she has been to a few countries in the Middle East, including Iran, Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, Jordan, Syria. You know, uh, she went to Venezuela once uh, as well. So she's been in, the, in a few places right around the world. And, and she said that the most beautiful city for, to her was uh, Tel Aviv. She was right. impressed by, you know, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm bringing up that example because uh, like my aunt, she's, uh, let's call it, uh, you know, we can identify her as a civilian. And the same like her, uh, civilians, uh, Palestinian civilians or Lebanese, I mean, they, that's what they want, right? They, uh, if the, the opportunity comes, yes, they would want peace. I mean, they would want peace, and uh, ideally, you know, we rec they recognize uh, Israel. And like I was telling you yesterday, they make some economic type of agreement, right? Um, I heard someone, a friend of, you know, was uh, proposing also, like ideally one day, like something that he would like to see one day was uh, would be because okay. no one no one has an answer right but this is something that he said and it made sense it's like ideally it would uh, it would be um palestinians and arabs uh to come up and protest since israel is a democratic state right and uh, that's one of the main arguments it's the only democracy in the middle east i mean fully democracy so he would he said that it, ideally the palestinians would come peaceful protest and all they have to do is just hold a sign and ask uh, for the right to vote, just the right. right to vote. And and he believes that that would put so much, so much pressure on both uh, the Israeli um, government type, those in power, and the Palestinian power to uh, and 
and right now again through technology, Instagram, you know, so it will reach the entire world. We'll find out about it. We'll hear right, about right. it. We have to so, see it. So that that is the policy, right? Just for a point of clarification, there is that. So they want these people to leave, and these people are fleeing to several border bordering nations, oftentimes, but they're not necessarily allowed to leave, right? If they're they're not like given open border to just leave. Just Palestinians, like, you mean? Yeah, Palestinians, right? They're like considered they just like like you like there's no place for them to go. There the is only no place, like, nation with an open border to them. Uh, the only people in Israel that want them to you know to uh, indirectly force them to leave is the settlers. And the settlers uh in Israel again are ultra orthodox, super super religious, uh very, very conservative. And the settle, settlements in, in Israel, that's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest issue uh, between, you know, uh, in the Middle East and that particular conflict. But uh, overall, I mean, they're, they're, where are they going to go? Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, a lot of Palestinians do, if they can leave, they can, they, they leave, right? But a lot of them, they cannot. So I don't... Uh, so what what is the what does the Palestinian government look like? How how does their government operate? What type what type of situation is going on with their government? What is it? So right now uh, I know that uh, Hamas is in Gaza and the uh, now uh, Hamas Hamas is like how how does how does taxes work in Palestine? Is is Hamas funded by by a, a tax driven government? International aid, that's my understanding. International okay. aid. There are businesses inside, so I'm not sure how taxes, uh, specifically how they work inside, but it's international aid. And uh, and uh, and also Hamas is a ultra, super, super religious, ultra orthodox, right? Right, right, right. And also, also conservative, would you, would you suggest? Very, very, very conservative. And a new conspiracy theory that I've been hearing is that uh, they even work for Israel. <laughs> like that's how uh, against their own people they are. Yeah. Whatever right. they do is really against the best interest. So th this is a story of ultra-religious, ultra-conservative people warring against each other based on territory and religion. So that that is the perfect segue. Um, now I want I want to we, we've this this is exactly what I want to ask both of you right now because I have no answers for this. But but Cripple, let's start with you. Um, before we get in to partisan ideology on the, on the actual situation, what do you think, as an American, that you can offer as advice to the people of Palestine and Israel suffering through this right now? What can you offer as advice? That's the problem, is I can't necessarily speak up as an American because I'm geopolitically aware of the hegemony at the table. As, a, as an American, I recognize both sides. I understand the significance of what's going on and the injustice being brought to the words of Palestinian people, arguably. And I also understand and recognize the state of Israel. But as a human being, as a proponent of freedom, I can say that I'm against the forced relocation of people. I don't think that's, I think that's archaic. I will never understand personally, and I know this is more progressive than that's even allowed to be spoken upon in the UN, I don't understand archaic religious conservative values. 
I don't see the benefit to holding on to these old conflicts and if it's deterring the progress of the modern world, including not limited to these regions. Mm -hmm. So you're entitled to make your beliefs and hold these stances, but to me I can never truly understand the significance of this land, religiously speaking. Because I'm not the kind of man that would say, like, some god in the sky told you to go and fight somebody else and right. go kill their peoples. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to buy into that shit, like, sip that Kool-Aid. You know? So do you but think, people like... people in the world are, so... I don't know. So do you think that the, that the introduction of agnostic practices is what is going to save the, save the region? No, I think ultimately what's going to settle the region is the integration of Islamic culture into Western civilization. Ultimately, I think right. people on both sides are going to be going back and forth because of this issue, and it has been longstanding now a couple thousand years, arguably, right, mm. in the region. So, like, ultimately, like, like Russians, like Russians were considered the enemies, like the Arabic people were considered the enemies, but over time, at one point, like, all these people were considered the enemies, but they become part of our cultural melting pot. They become part of our civilization and all culture. And at that point, we become way more sensitive to issues in that region, historically speaking. So I think that's ultimately what's going to end up happening with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I don't see any immediate action being seeking or taken now. I can see a bunch of leaders in the first world, including uh, President Biden and maybe some representation in the UK stepping up and saying, Hey, Israel, what are you doing over here? And that's all they're going to do. Right. They're going to flex for a quick second and pose a question, but they're not going to take any action about what's going on. Right. Do you think action is necessary for, for, no, for no, peace? But, for peace. No, but what I, what I do think is interesting is that the dialogue is being engaged in for the first time in a long time, especially openly. It used to be one of those issues that you don't bring up or talk about because it was known that as a conservative you would have to back Palestine, or not Palestine, Israel. So like as an American you'd have to back Israel. As a Westerner you'd have to back Israel. But now it's becoming an issue that's more openly discussed. It's not an issue of patriotism, um, right? Um, it's a question of what, what's going on in the region and how are we going to deal with this issue and resolve the uncertainty in these people here, right. know, the lives of these people. So I don't know. What do you think, Insight? What's the solution? Uh, there's no solution. We don't know what the solution. I think they should come up with their own solution. Uh, what I, uh, what I'm, what is interesting right now again is that the United States is uh, finally they're talking about uh, you know conditional support of Israel instead of in, unconditional. So that's important. And uh, something else that I've seen again protest here in the United States, you know, in New York. Uh, here in Michigan, uh, Jews, a lot of Jews, Americans, are also protesting against, uh, you know, the evictions. You know, for example, settlement. I mean, the settlements are the, the biggest, the biggest uh, block. I mean, block for right, any yeah. type to reach any type of solution is the settlement. So even Jews here in the United States. So it seems that the conservative Israelis don't even count on Jews here in the United States. Like the the, the biggest supported right now. Uh, in the U.S. are the evangelicals, uh, right? Or not even their own population. I mean, their own. I mean, right. mean their own people from their own background. They're not even. So that's that's a that's a very interesting development, right? Mm -hmm. Solution. I have. We don't. But, but, but what does conditional support to Israel look like? 
a conditional support. They, yeah. they started to talk. They uh, and I think the main focus right now it would be settlements. The the you know the ex settlement expansion. Uh, uh, that's I think would be the biggest issue. The United okay. States have never supported uh, any way settlements, including Trump, by the way. You know, right. just non-Democrats uh, and Republicans, it doesn't matter. It, uh, in this case, there is no Democrats and Republicans in the United States. Yeah, we consider that an act of war, exactly, when you start actually starting taking lands and stuff. And that's right, what's so interesting. There's, there's a few examples where we kind of stayed back with China and Taiwan, and then in uh, Russia and their expansion through the Eastern Bloc a few times. But then that being said, we have taken back a lot of countries that were part of the former Soviet that made them NATO nations. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but so it, it's very interesting, and I think um, geopolitically it's um, a powder keg because you have so many people that are polarized in the issue, and so many mm -hmm. people that feel very strongly about it. But the baseline is there is like a real form of civ civilian casualty, both on the Palestinian and Israeli side, uh, as repercussions to these people's beliefs and actions, and something has to happen in the region to provide stability. And especially right. in the last few weeks, um, a lot of people, both in, especially in the Western nations, uh, especially the United Nations, sorry, not United Kingdom and uh, United States, have been um, voicing up their opinions in the pro-Palestinian pro support. Sorry, mouthful there. Uh, so, so let me ask you, now, this, this landmass where there were houses that Jews bought at, in the end of uh, the 19th century, in the, in the late 1800s, are a lot of these locations sacred and holy to a religious point of view for the Jews? They're close to religious, uh, yes, sacred areas. Okay, yeah. so they're sacred areas. So, so there's no way that they could just be built, like for a real estate mogul to come in and build a whole bunch of new houses for everybody, world-funded, UN-funded. There's no way that we could establish funding to build houses for everybody because the, the, the houses and, and, the, and, the, and the homesteads are sacred to the religion. Well, you have the two regions, right? You have the West Bank, which is kind of like located near like the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea towards the uh, western part of it. Sorry, I'm pointing the wrong direction. Um, and then you have like the, the major land mass, which is the, the West Bank, right? And that's like, at one point, bordering Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is technically the capital of Israel. But then you have East Jerusalem, which is on the Palestinian side. Right. right? And so, like, there's... That region and the surrounding areas are very uh, historically significant. So the only, the only solution is peace. There is, there, is no, there is no way to solve the problem without peace. No way. There's no way. You mean so problem, uh, you know, reach peace, I guess. Again, uh, there are different theories, right? One of them is to use democracy uh, uh, and see what happens. But you use democracy. What, what, do you, what do you think, what do you guys think? I know nothing about it, but I remember hearing about it. But what do you, first, let me, let me ask you, incoming, uh, what, is your, what is your stance and opinion on the Donald Trump Middle East peace deal, peace agreement that he, that he got signed? What was that all about? That was very important. I, I think it's, it was very important. Uh, a lot of uh, people from the Middle East were not happy about it. Uh, that's, uh, but uh, I think it was important. Uh, I was telling you yesterday, and that my, and I never lived in the area, so uh, I'm like both of you. It's like whatever we hear in the news, whatever we see in the news. Uh, I mean, of course, I have family living in the area, but but still, I never lived there. So uh, my parents were of the opinion that. Uh, 
Israel should be recognized as a uh, as a country, and they were mainly interested in economic uh, interest. Uh, they uh, and especially in, like they come from south of Lebanon, and uh, and even though again they lived in Venezuela and they passed away, right? So they're not, you know, but uh, they always thought that. Uh, making peace with Israel and having some economic type of agreements would benefit right. Lebanon. And again, same if it benefits Lebanon, it benefits the entire region. And the same would benefit the entire area. And Jordan so I, and absolutely I mean, everywhere. Uh, but it's, it's a lot. But, but, uh, not, but not Palestine. But not Palestine. I think Palestinian more than anybody else. But again, uh, you know, if they reach again, they accept. Uh, I, mean, I, don't, I mean, from one side, right? One of the reasons, one reason, right, that a lot of Palestinians say that they would not acknowledge uh, the state of Israel, never. I, I mean, is that? I think it's a sense of defeat. Uh, they feel, you know, uh, I mean, it's a tough one, right? It's a, it's a tough one. It's like if we. Have, and we acknowledge. I mean, it's, right, right. It's very personal. It's very, you know. So it's, uh, yes, I think it's difficult. But uh, if they are able to just say, I mean, well, that's it. They're here, and uh, let's just think uh, forward. Maybe we can make peace and <laughs> and acknowledge the state of Israel as a, as a country, and perhaps mm. uh, you know that would benefit very much. Right. Ryan. What do you what do you think about the Middle East peace deal that Trump got signed, Kripa? I'm not too familiar with the uh, implications and specifics involved with the peace deal there, but I do believe that the best solution ultimately in most of these scenarios does revolve around with economic sanctions of some form or some kind of form of trade. Um, so, but what I do ultimately believe is that uh, given the geopolitical powder keg surrounding this issue and the amount of countries that are on both sides and both sides mm -hmm. literally at the same time um, mm -hmm. when either side if either side is to take major action it's not clear what countries are back which side right and so because that's where that, world, that's where world war three happens man well, in situations like that, but I feel like in this situation, I feel like it's one of those where I think the whole world can be like, all right, guys, figure some shit out. And we just apply pressure to them to say, hey, some kind of resolution has to be arrived at um, because it's becoming an issue that's... Pro but what about the idea world. What about the idea of, of the world powers coming in and saying, we're going to fucking sort this shit out for you guys? Whether that's you like, like it or not. But that, that's never how it works, especially when we're dealing with our allies. That's why right. it took us fucking forever to go into Pakistan to take down Osama. What what could we, be we done? Knew, we, knew, we knew that guy was there. Like, where, where, like, look at what else fucking borders Afghanistan. Nothing. Like, what could be, what could be done? What like, could be done to, to, to make Palestine's economy more robust? How could that be improved? That might That might help them have a better way of life. Uh, what what can we do to to increase the level of democracy in Palestine? How could the world act to uh, to make their government more more well, more transparent? That, that's just it, though. I think we're doing it right now, and I think that's what's important. I'm glad we're addressing this issue because of the relevance and the coverage, especially in in most Western media outlets, and the amount of pro-Palestinian voicing that has come up to make this more of an issue that is a talking point, that is a dialogue. Mm. Because that's right. That's right. ultimately, I think this is an issue that the people that are native to that region 
need to come to some kind of resolution towards themselves themselves precisely but the rest of the world clearly finds this to be such an unsettling issue that we are applying pressure to say hey sort it out yeah you need to come to some kind of resolution this is getting out of hand this has been out of hand right yeah okay well, th- that being said, we're we're halfway into the podcast. Do you, do you guys want to now hear um, the, the 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 Western world's view on the situation? Right wing, left wing, center. Let's do it. When do you, what, what do you want to start with? Do you want to do you want to start with right, left, or center? Where do you want to start? She wanted to say something too. Sorry. Uh, oh. Tel Aviv is the capital of of uh, uh, Israel. Tel Aviv. Sorry, not I apologize. I apologize. Just a little. Sorry. Just. So yeah, you're not... right. Sorry. Point point of clarification. You're right. No, it's true. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just... Okay. So, do you guys want to start with uh, with right or left or center as far as American? I already got Ben Shapiro called up. Do you want to start with him and then go go well, to the other like, side? Looks like we're starting with the right. Cheers. So we'll start we'll start with the right, then we'll go to the left, and then we'll go in the center, and then we'll and, and stop me along the way if you if you have things to add to the conversation. Stop me along the way. Um, that's obviously I can hear you. If you want to say something or add to the conversation, just add to it. This is where uh, this is the point in the podcast where people's emotions are going to get involved because we have had a very non-biased, articulate, calm discussion, and that is something that is not going on in the world right now. And it, that's why I wanted to do this podcast is to establish and demonstrate that these conversations can be made. And especially by people who have no fucking idea what's going on. We got the fucking internet. Have a conversation and look shit up and make your own decision. Don't just fall into the trap of partisan politics. They're a bunch of fucking liars. Let's listen to some snakes. Uh, we're going to listen to some some uh, some political snakes now. Before, First before, one. Before you get into that, though, it's something you're coming across that we try to do when we talk about these, whatever it is we talk about impartially and unbiased as best we can. And it's a line from one of my upcoming poems, but um, everybody is... Everybody wants the answers, but few are asking the questions. Very well, and you know, I, mean, I love, like, I love it. Like, and in a quote that I just came, a quote yeah. that I just came up with that I think establishes uh, my point of view on the entire situation yeah. is it, it goes like this: If you can learn to love the ones you hate, that is true freedom. That is true freedom. So let's get in. Let's get into some partisan yeah. politics. Cheers. Let's get into some partisan politics. Cheers. This is uh, Ben Shapiro. Ignorant media suggests both sides to blame for recent violence in Jerusalem. You've been watching the media today, I'm sure, and you have seen that there is violence in Jerusalem. Now, the way the media covered this sort of stuff is they always suggest that it's a cycle of violence. Both sides are to blame. This is because the media are ignorant and stupid and have no expectations of humane and decent behavior by radicals in the Palestinian community. Now, the vast majority of Palestinians are not people, presumably, who want to engage in violence and terrorism, but... There are a lot of people in that community who do, in fact, want to engage in violence and terrorism. And those people tend to occupy the highest rungs of Palestinian governmental structures. Hamas runs at the Gaza Strip. It is an open terrorist group. Islamic Jihad and Fatah are the other groups that run Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. Those groups are terrorist groups. They've been terrorist groups for a very long time. Now, the pretext for all of this is the eviction of some Palestinian families from Sheikh Jarrah, from homes in Sheikh Jarrah. They're allowed to live elsewhere. They're just not allowed to live in these particular homes because they don't have legal deed to these homes. There's been a string of decisions going all the way back to 1970 by Israeli courts suggesting that people who have the original legal deeds to these homes have the ability to charge rent to the people living in the homes. People haven't been paying the rent. 
And so now they're going to be taken out of the homes the same way that if you don't pay your rent in the United States in an apartment, you get evicted. It's that simple. According to NGO Monitor, the district court case addressed ownership claims of eight appellants. The court found three of the appellants are the children and grandchildren of residents who acknowledged the ownership of the Israeli organizations in court proceedings in 1982. Four of the appellants claimed to have purchased the properties in 1991 from a man named Ismail, but can note that they have no idea who Ismail is. They can't provide any documentation for this. So literally, they're just saying some guy sold me the land and they have no idea who it is and they can't provide any evidence this ever happened. In October 2020, a magistrate court in Israel rejected the residents claim that the property had been promised to them by the Jordanian authorities during the years in which Jordan controlled the area. According to that particular court decision, all the witnesses were born after 1967 or were very young at the time and testified they heard about the Jordanian promise from an older relative. So not a single person who is currently saying we don't have to pay rent has any sort of legal basis for claiming they don't have to pay rent. End of story. Okay, so does this mean the Palestinians aren't allowed to live in Sheikh Jarrah? Or being expelled from... No, Sheikh Jarrah is a majority Arab area. A huge number of, of Arabs live in East Jerusalem. A huge number of Arabs live in Sheikh Jarrah. There's like four houses. So why is that leading to rioting? Because it is well-coordinated in advance. Fatah was supposed to hold elections. This is the Palestinian Authority armed military wing. They were supposed to hold elections. They didn't hold elections because they knew they were going to lose. So instead, they've decided to ram up the level of violence. So for example, May 3rd, this is last week, there was a Palestinian terror attack on two Israelis. And Fatah posted on its Facebook page. Right? Facebook allows this sort of stuff, apparently. Fatah posted on its Facebook page a call to Palestinians to delete video of the incident from their CCTV cameras so that the Palestinian terrorists would not be caught. Remember, Fatah is the ruling party of Mahmoud Abbas, the so-called moderate. According to the Fatah movement, quote, our lauded people, honored members of our people, we call on you to get rid of the contents that were stored in the security cameras of your homes or your businesses today, and not to transfer any media content among yourselves. The Facebook page of the Fatah movement also said, the Fatah movement's Nablus branch emphasized that resistance is a natural right of the Palestinian people against the Zionist arrogance. Okay, there were three Israeli teens wounded in the shooting attack. One ended up dying. We found Sprizzy through a Google. Wallace, Wallace ads playing. What do you guys think of that? What do you guys think about, his, about the way he's displaying his opinion so far? It's exactly what I was telling you, but I, uh, I, but uh, you know, uh, Netanyahu's I guess running for uh, election, and uh, again, it sounds like a conspiracy theory to say that it was uh, the protest and all of it was provoked in order to win the elections. Uh, in this mm -hmm. case, the Palestinian. That's what he's saying. So, and other conspiracy theory. The other side is that it's the opposite. That it was uh, the protest was provoked. By, uh, yes, exactly, and this, the, the uh, Netanyahu's uh, party right? for them. Secret, for secret or the secrets of the CIA of, so of, sounds, uh, of Israel. Well, just just dissonance in in certain nations is definitely instilled uh, much more often, even in modern eras around election time, because of foreign interests, not even just. So it's less like conspiratory to say, especially in this region, where there's constant battle for both hegemony and control. Um, but I just personally, I just hate fucking Ben Shapiro. I just hate the sound of his voice. I hate the pace at which he talks about stuff. He just talks about stuff really fast. It sounds like he's intelligent. Because I'm laying down this fact, I'm laying out that fact. But he lays down certain facts always in a certain way to kind of just like 
convey his point unbiasedly. He's like, no, this is the only solution. It's the only possible solution. Because it's the only of course. Of course. That's the only thing. Of course. He's totally biased. He's totally biased. That's the point. That's the point. But so far, insofar as what I've seen in this video, he's done more of a impartial and objective way of laying out some of the things that are going on to build to whatever point he's getting to. But and, so and, far, and he's done lay, lay facts in a, in, a, in a decently objective way. I will, now, I now one, thing, one thing I want to highlight is yeah. that he, the, the majority of the malice that was sustained from the, from the Israeli deed owner's perspective was lack of financial supplement, was lack of rent. So, so, so the point I made earlier is that this isn't necessarily a holy housing, sacred, sacred residential type of thing. It's a fucking capitalistic thing. It's a conservative thing. It, it's about money. So, so, so they're not paying the rent because they think that they own, they own the they own the fucking property. The, he he has made his his point of view well, that the suffering sustained is monetary. Well, ultimately, it's very sharp. By made by by comparing uh, by comparing it to the United States, that was a sharp move. I mean, but I don't think it's valid. But because uh, the situation here in the United States is different than the situation in, in you know, yeah, if I don't pay rent, of course I'm on rent, and of course I'm gonna be evicted. But this is different uh, situation. And there, though, I'm wondering now if uh, the agreement originally was for Palestinians to be, in, you know, are they were so they were supposed. Uh, to pay rent for those I'm, I'm wondering what is what was the original where, where is the agreement right. where is the it's agreement un, it's unclear as to the terms of the agreement he simply brought up this agreement and that one side was abusing it but you know so I would like to exactly know more about the terms of this agreement yeah. uh, and I'm there. sure I'm sure we're gonna get into that once we examine the the, the left side of the angle that, that that's gonna we're gonna get into that let's get back into the video because I want this I want this podcast to be three hours. And we got we got some we got some uh, some videos to watch. Let's get back into it. And uh, the next commercial break, we'll stop again. Okay. What? Week leading up to all of these riots, there are a bunch of TikTok videos that were posted of Palestinians in East Jerusalem beating the hell out of Jews, and which caused retaliatory violence by wrong-minded Israelis, Israeli Jews. Okay, but Fatah has been pushing this for a long time. So last week, for example, Fatah put out a video. And this video, literally translated, says, Oh, self-sacrificing fighter, make sure your bullets hit the target. Hit it, hit it. And it's about shooting Israelis. And this is being put on. These are the beautiful, the beautiful sounds of Fatah TV. And this is, the, this is like, Fatah is the governing party in the Palestinian Authority. Oh, self-sacrificing fighter, ignite it, ignite it everywhere. So they're openly calling for violence. Make sure the cannon is a fire burning by night. Make sure the Israeli state does not come. It's beautiful music, right? Really good stuff there. Meanwhile, Abbas's spiritual advisor, his religious affairs advisor, oh, the explicitly says, you will go to paradise if you shoot an oppressor. His name is Mahmoud al-Habash. Okay, and somebody asked, what is your opinion if I kill an Israeli? And here's Mahmoud al-Habash. He's the religious advisor to Mahmoud Abbas, the, the head of the Palestinian Authority, the dictator, because he hasn't had an election in nearly two decades. <laughs> He says, Muhammad, he'll go to hell because he is an oppressor, because he attacks. You'll go to paradise because you are oppressed and because you are defending yourself. And these are open calls to violence, guys. You think this rioting is spontaneous? It is not. It is not spontaneous. This is all planned. Okay, 
Then there's the lie. So that you see riots in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, conflict on the Temple Mount. Right? This is how you normally see it in the New York Times. The way that the New York Times pitches this conflict on the Temple Mount breaks out. Violence breaks out on Temple. Here's the headline. Hundreds hurt in clashes at Aqsa Mosque as tension rises in Jerusalem. Really, hundreds hurt in clashes, were they? They're just clashes that happen. Well, what if I told you that Hamas and Fatah terrorists had used Al-Aqsa as a staging ground in order to ignite violence because they know the media will cover it this way? There's been a feature of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict for literally decades at this point. All of this is pre-planned. This is perfectly obvious. So, for example, here are some pictures. We were told, by the way, it's just a bunch of people peacefully praying inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, here's the thing. I've been up to the Temple Mount. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is open all the time. And the only reason there are any restrictions put on people getting up to the Temple Mount is because the Israeli authorities knew that terrorists were infiltrating the Temple Mount. That is literally the only reason. And so they put up some sort of fencing, and then the Palestinians got mad. So they took down the fencing for two days. And then the Palestinians still got mad. So it turned out it wasn't about the fencing at all. So you have a bunch of particularly young Arab men who went up into the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and they brought with them giant piles of rocks. Because that's what I do. When I go to synagogue, I immediately bring with me things I can throw at the cops. I like to bring guns and fireworks and all sorts of stuff. Here are some pictures of Hamas in the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You can see just piles of rocks. They just brought piles of rocks. Okay, this is people up on the Temple Mount who are setting fires, lighting fires, really enjoying themselves up there on the Temple Mount, supposedly this deeply holy site. I can tell you what Jews don't do at their holy sites. Okay, no, no Jews in Israel are using their holy sites for this sort of activity, so far as I'm aware. And if they are, it's criminal under Israeli law. Okay, these are people who are holding up. Okay, I, I think we get the point. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we understand his point of view. Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? You know, I read an article, but I don't remember the details right now. I wish I read it more carefully. Uh, you know, he said something about, uh, you know, uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, being open all the time. And you no, know, but uh, again, if we can, I wish I, I saved that article somehow. I didn't know this was going to come up. But uh, like the little that I remember is that there are restrictions for Palestinians to go into Al-Aqsa Mosque. And there are restrictions also for uh, tourists. Yes, you know, Muslims from around the world to go into Al-Aqsa Mosque. Only Palestinians can pray inside the mosque. Only, uh, and then there are also, again, I don't remember the details, and um, there are also restrictions for Jews uh, because uh, Al-Aqsa Al -Aqsa Mosque, the location is also a religious location for uh, Jews. And uh, I think, uh, again, Romans destroyed, uh, what is it called? Mount, the Mount Temple. There was the, uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, was built where the Mount Temple was built. And the Romans uh, sometime after, uh, you know, AD, right? I, I don't remember, 70 years after, okay. destroyed it. And the only uh, piece of religious body, I guess, that was left was the uh, the West Wall. Is it called the... Well, uh, what is it called? Uh, see, I don't remember the details. So what he's talking about, basically, and he says that, uh, you know, so it's very, very one-sided, very, very, uh, I mean, it may be based on facts, right? But it's extremely one-sided. Oh, exactly. So I, I heard that, that side, again, and I think that's what I, I, I said, right? That and we're going we're gonna to hear the other side next. Trust me. This is this is all part of the process, guys. This is part of the process. The I heard the other side, too, that there were, you know, also uh, Israelis, super religious, very also provoking uh, 
in attacking Palestinian civilians. Well, well, well so, that's, that, that's just it. And that's the only thing about conservative modern rhetoric, especially in the Western world and especially in the United States. Um, they always either justify towards or alienate one side. Yeah. The Israelis were off-minded, but all the Palestinians involved were terrorists. But I guarantee you, Kripa, and then, and I then guarantee you it will be the opposite in the next video. No, but but exactly. But specifically the association with, oh, these Palestinians are young Arab men. They, they, they yeah. objectify and they... Oh, manipulation. That's why I that's why I stopped it early. That's oh. why I yelled, oh, the manipulation during the video. But it's going to be the same from the other side. It's going to be the same. I'm not sure, though, because I think normally, like, it's fair to say that there's violence from both sides, but there's usually one side that's predominantly more violent than another side in every single one of these conflicts, right? But I, yeah. I never hear, turn on to a liberal media outlet and do I hear that the violence is coming from one side, right? Um, we're very much so with conservative media uh, these days. It's always about there is one clear enemy. Well, let's, let's watch some liberal media. Yeah. This well, is the... This is... This yeah. is the polar opposite of Ben Shapiro. This is Chank Yuger. He runs the Young Turks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Young Turks. Okay, yeah. it, is a it is a very left wing. He he was running for he, he ran for uh, for Congress or something in California. Um, he is he's left. He he uh, he's a Bernie Sanders guy. He he he's a socialism guy. Ben Shapiro is a extreme conservative guy. Yeah. This guy this guy is, is more left. It's the, they're polar opposites. They're yeah. polar opposites. So let's let's hear what he has to say. This is Chank Uger. Israel massacres over fifty Palestinian pro protesters, thousands injured. Hey, uh, we had our embassy move. The, the United States moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem uh, for uh, Israel, uh, recognizing it as the capital of Israel. Uh, the so-called indivisible capital is what the. Israeli right wing says, I don't know what that means. It's split into two parts. The Israeli part and the Palestinian party should be divided. Uh, it's a very, very easy solution. Palestinians should get the half they live in and that is currently occupied and the Israelis should get the other part of Jerusalem. I know everybody says it's a holy city and it can't be divided. It is not a holy city. Uh, if God uh, likes that city, he's got a curious way of showing it, having led uh, many, many people to their deaths in defense of some nonsense piece of useless real estate. So uh, as they were doing those theatrics and Donald Trump sent Jared Kushner. Do you now understand the real, the, the, the reason I highlighted real estate? Like that's what it's coming down to, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, they, 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 it's, it's, the, it's the most recent tangible justification that we can relate to in the Western world. It's like this isn't about just this being a holy city, this is just about people who live here, land. That's the mm -hmm. more reasonable and relatable argument to people in the Western world. This is an argument of land, not an argument of God. That's right. Okay, let's keep on watching. As Secretary uh, Treasury, for some unknown reason, Mnuchin, uh, to the uh, opening of the embassy, uh, just 40 miles away, uh, the Palestinians decided that they were going to try to cross the border. Um, now, uh, there were uh, some uh, stone hurling, as you'll see in a video, we're gonna run for you in a little bit. Uh, involved in some rubber tires and so was the Israeli uh, response proportionate? Of course not, uh, not with this right-wing government in place. So right now I'm sad to report at least 55 are dead. Uh, of course all Palestinians, uh, no Israelis were even remotely close to being injured and more than 2,700 wounded. 
Now imagine if uh, the Palestinians had done a terrorist attack inside Israel and 55 were dead and 2,700 were wounded. It would be a colossal story and everybody would talk about the atrocious, horrific terrorism uh, perpetrated by the Palestinians and rightfully so. Now so when is, is a state that, does violence, whether it's- Is that is that from like, I wanna know, that's a, that's a significant amount of Casualty. You don't know, man, because they're biased. Well, that's just it. That's so the whole thing. They're, 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 equally a, they're equally as evil. They're equally going around with guns. Like, 2,700, that, like, that, like, are there explosives in being involved? Are, are, are there missiles? And, and, and there's, there's conflicting reports. Exactly. That is, Kripa, you now see the method to my madness, bro. It's, it's fucking corrupt. The entire system is fucking corrupt. That's why I can't. That's why I'm saving the center for last because we're gonna get some rationality coming at the end of this video. So let's keep on watching. Chank Yuger say his thing. America uh, doing a bombing where we bomb a, a wedding. Oops, and we kill civilians of or the Iraq War where hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of civilians died. Uh, when Saudi Arabia bombs so Yemen and kills oh, sorry, yeah. over and over again, or when Israel. Uh, massacres Palestinians at the border, that's not called terrorism. Not exactly clear why, but if the state does it, it must be okay. No, it is not okay. That is why the Gaza Strip, unfortunately, is an open air prison where two million people have been imprisoned. Now, if you think that's hyperbole, well, try to walk out of Gaza and see what happens. Oh, right, that just happened today. If you try to walk out of Gaza and you get, get within hundreds of yards of the Border, you will be executed on the spot. And that's unfortunately exactly what we saw. There's a New York Times reporter who was covering it uh, recently. Uh, he's the Cairo bureau chief. He went and was uh, with the encampment. He thought it was gonna be a quiet night last night. Uh, and all of a sudden, bullets started raining down. And, but there, there was no hurling of stones. There was no burning of fires. Uh, there was nothing going on at the time. No, they had come to within, apparently, without even knowing it, some enormous uh, distance from the border. And apparently it was good enough for snipers to fire at them. Now you might think maybe it was warning shot. No, they shot a woman, she had to be taken to a hospital. A woman who was doing nothing in the middle of the night. So when the New York Times reporter sees it, he's like, no, really? They're just shooting people that are clearly, clearly not a threat. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing. So I know the Israeli excuse and the American excuse, and I'll get to that in a second. These monsters saying, well, they made us execute them. They made us do it. I think there might have been a couple of other choices. So now uh, let's tell you what uh, neutral observers are saying. The United uh, Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights is saying it was the, quote, shocking killing of dozens, injury of hundreds, and now we know thousands, by Israeli live fire. They say, well, the problem is the Palestinians, when we uh, do the tear gas, it's, they're so far away that the tear gas oftentimes blows away in the wind. Then maybe if they're that far away, they're not an imminent threat. I know, it's a wild and crazy idea. Uh, or sometimes now the Palestinians have figured out how to bury the gas canisters before they go off. They're like, and the, and the, lot, and the plastic bullets uh, are not good at that distance. Thereby admitting you are shooting from a gigantic distance. The plastic bullets cannot even reach or be effective at that enormous distance between you and the protesters. 
So they said, well, I, we had to. We had to fire live bullets and kill those people. It is a gross, gross definition of had to or self-defense or any nonsense excuse that Israel and the United States is using. Uh, the United Nations went on to say that this was, quote, an outrageous human rights violations. Um, BBC reporting Israel said, this is, gives you a sense of the absurdity of their response. Israel said some 40,000 Palestinians had taken part in, quote, violent riots at 13 locations along the Gaza Strip security fence. Do I believe, as reported by all the media outlets, that there was 40,000 protesters? Yes. Do I believe, do you believe that the women, children, and everybody else there were 40,000 violent rioters? No, by definition, if you oppose the occupation, they consider you a violent rioter, a terrorist, an Israeli government official today saying Nazis. Let me get this right. The Nazis were the ones that were being shot and killed that had the stones. Okay. Or in a lot of the cases, didn't have anything. Just nonviolent protesters walking towards the border. I think that is the kind of hyperbole that should not be used on either side. It is absolutely outrageous and certainly should not be used by the side that has much greater weaponry and has uh, caused a much greater death toll. Uh, but it shouldn't be used by either side under any circumstance. Uh, now, the New York Times explains, the charge was often led by women dressed in black, waving Palestinian flags and urging others to follow. Boy, that does sound awfully dangerous. So, Doctors Without Borders says the international, that's an international medical charity, of course, they said on Friday, so this was before even the worst of the shootings, that it had treated more Palestinians uh, along the border at its Gaza clinics in this past month than <coughs> during the 2014 conflict, and that some of the exit wounds from Israeli ammunition were, quote, fist size. So this has been going on now for a number of weeks. It started at the end of April. It is supposed to culminate uh, tomorrow uh, in the 70th. Okay, so I think we get the point. So, what, uh, so uh, in incoming insight, what, what's your opinion on that video that we just watched? Oh, it saddens me, of course. Uh, and uh, you know what's tiring? I mean, it's very, very tiring is uh, that we are both videos, right? not just this video, both videos is that both of them are, are forcing us to take sides. Like, mm -hmm, oh, look mm -hmm. how terrible the other side is. Right? Exactly. But it's, it, I mean, it is terrible, the whole thing. Um, is any of it true? Is any of it even true? Um, like, so really? Listen to reports. We have a lot of videos. Uh, I, I'm sure it's, I mean, a lot of, most of the information. Right, but uh, in the comment, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ben Shapiro is capable of telling a lie, and I'm pretty sure Shank Uger is capable of telling a lie as well. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. I, don't I think, think they're, uh, they're very sharp into uh, composing uh, an information to, uh, you know, to benefit one side and again and to force us into taking side. When it comes to the Israeli Palestinian conflict, we really shouldn't be taking any sides. Uh, just focus on the facts only, right? If if we're gonna take sides, it's not about taking. You know, we shouldn't be taking sides. Uh, I mean, yeah. No, precisely, and uh, definitely, it's a more like, like you said, a polar opposite on the side of the political spectrum and representation to the what is within the United States, and what we saw from Ben Shapiro in that video. But um, 
I think clearly in recent weeks, there has been a significant amount of Palestinian casualties mm -hmm. that have not necessarily been answered for, uh, either for why they were fired upon or the amount of response, retaliatory or provoked from the Israeli and, and, and allied side, which is resulting in a lot of people to ask questions. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I, and it, it's hard to say, unless you're like actually there and actually see what's going on. You know, like, at what point these people are provoked to fire, uh, fire weapons and what their orders were and the amount that's going on. But one trend that I seem to really kind of be disgusted by all over the world is peaceful protesters being retaliated upon all over the world, whatever the cause may be. And I'm more inclined to believe from that last video that this may be one of those scenarios where there was definitely people out there protesting, but they were more on the peaceful end of things. But right. like retaliatory, violent action was taken against them. So right. That's just my impression from the last video, though. So who knows? So let, let's go ahead. I think is that uh, you know when we talk uh, when people talk about this, uh, you know about conflict, right? Any type of conflict involving war. Uh, something that is always interesting is that they talk about it I mean, in the speech, right? That they use is uh, as if they're you're talking about a video game. It's, uh, you know, as if uh, if uh, the enemy shoots, then we shoot back. And then again, in, in the in the statement that uh, they have the right to defend themselves. Uh, and yet, I uh, you know I look at it and I'm thinking, and I always think is that. I mean, Israel is way, way, way uh, stronger, right, militarily uh, than the Palestinian Hamas. Yeah, yeah of but course. Hamas, absolutely, they do have a terrorist agenda. I mean, we know that. As, as, you know that. Uh, but they're not as strong as <laughs> as the Israeli. Right, right. I think that instead of looking at it as a, again as a video game, like uh, if they, you know, and then you can reset and start the video game again. I mean, this is real people' lives, right? Kids. Women, right? I'm talking civilians, not just but kids, also kids. Uh, folk, um, I mean, Israel is, uh, I think, is so smart militarily and so precise that they can be very strategic on who to target. Like, and they could have, for example, chosen not to. Uh, respond with violence could be. I mean, I don't know, and and I don't want to take sides, right? Because that, that's what they're both are forcing us to do is to take sides. Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. That's why we have this podcast incoming. That's why we're doing this to get a great landscape of what actually is going on. Kripa, what do you think about it? Well, and it's difficult to say given the rules of engagement, and if you're actually there in that scenario as to what happened and what really transpired, you know. And historically speaking, we do kind of have this, like, tendency to be like, all right, well, the bigger person should be more responsible, right? Uh, in this the more case, we're dealing with nations, the more powerful yeah. individual or nation, right, being Israel, right? So we kind of hold them to a higher level of accountability than we do Palestinian yes. action. Yes. But at, the same, but at the same time, like, clearly there has been a large amount of casualty especially in recent weeks and it seems to me if you look in recent weeks specifically 
It has been more on the Palestinian side of casualties. And that's exactly why I asked you both earlier, what can we do as a world to increase Palestine's ability to protect itself? Because Israel is not allowing them to have any weapons. So they're literally under their foot permanently. What can happen to bolster the Palestinian economy so they can generate protection? Because it's an uneven battle. And it's just like, like Palestine is under Israel's fucking foot. So what the fuck is going on? Of course, they, would you, okay, so let me ask you both this. As far as the relationship between Israel and Palestine goes, would you consider the Palestinians to be the oppressed and Israel to be the oppressor? Incoming at you first. So I don't even I don't even want to look at it that way too. I mean, as they oppress them, the oppressor uh, is uh, is a left type, uh, it's a left wing type of of view as well. Like I don't even want to look at it because uh, it implies that we are gonna we're assessing the situation and what is right and what is wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. And, right. and and assuming that we actually know what is right and wrong. Uh, you know, I want to share this with you. I uh, I mean, I think um, I haven't. I don't usually talk about this, but I am going to share it in this podcast. And we do have some time. Um, we got an hour. We got an hour. An hour, right. So I'm going to try to be as brief as possible just to give you a little bit of what I'm coming from. And Take I, your time. Say what you have to say as articulately as you can. That's what I recommend. So I want, I'd rather speak instead of, you know, for the civilians. I, uh, to say that, I mean, Hamas, they do have uh, a terrorist agenda, but to claim that all Palestinians also have a terror, terrorist agenda, I think is, uh, is extremely, extremely mistaken. Uh, I think, you know, so it wasn't, uh, um, again, from a uh, civilian perspective, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, identify, I guess, with the civilians right now in, in Palest- Palestinian civilians. Uh, those civilians that all they want is fucking peace, uh, send their kids to school, go to work, make some money, you know, have a The same thing we all want. The same thing we all want. The same thing that Jews in Israel, civilians, most Jews also want. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this is where I'm coming from. It's my own uh, type of uh, connections. I was in Lebanon in 2006, and uh, I was vacationed there. It was a vac- I went for vacation. My mom met me there. She went from, from Venezuela, and... Uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know if you recall, uh, you can Google, there was a, what is called the Lebanese-Israeli war. It was about 30, if I'm not mistaken, 33 days uh, going on, and I was there when that happened. Oh, wow. And uh, one That's day, uh, most of the time I was in Beirut, uh, one day, just one day before this, the war started, I we decided to go to my mom's town which is right at the border of Israel. It's one mile away, uh, you know, from Israel, it's right there. And, uh, um, and and we got, I got there, and this is, I think is important. I didn't want to rent a car, because driving in Beirut is crazy. Like, there's no stop signs, there is no lights, there is no, in that summer, there were so many people, tourists from all over, even, you know, it was so crowded. So I, just, I didn't. I'm, I'm not. A, I don't. I'm not scared to drive. I want to drive, and, and I don't want to because I don't know the roads really well. I'm like, 
I don't want to, I'd rather take just taxes, taxes everywhere, right? So we go to uh, south of Lebanon with a taxi and we got caught and the war, the water started. My God. And, uh, That's I was crazy. Look, I was there for 15 days, right? So, uh, you know, I don't, we, I've never been in a war. We, I don't know if you've ever been in a war, right? In a war zone. Can't say no, do. no, of course not. No, never. I ain't never in a war zone. And, uh, so we got, I got, we got caught in there and, um, and I was there for 15 days uh, before I was able to leave. And I, I couldn't believe that I left. I really thought that I was going to die. The um, third day, uh, I was, you know, the first day, the second days, in hearing bombings all around, bombs, you know, being thrown all around. I can see it, right, the fire. I mean, all of me was like watching a movie, right? Uh, and as a tourist, that's like, oh, this is not cool, right? But very right. interesting. I was a tourist looking at the window, looking at, you know. Very surreal. And, yeah. and then uh, third day, the third day, uh, we were in a in a my mom's cousin's house. Everybody was worried. Of course, they were worried. Uh, what's going on? So it's a conflict between Hezbollah and Israel. And uh, this was day number three. And we walked to my mom's cousin. It was my mom, her sister, and myself, and two kids. <laughs> and uh, we were in this house, and they were the husband, the wife, and my mom's cousin, and three kids, three of the children. And we're sitting and we are, they're talking about, you know, what's going on. And then um, uh, we're hearing, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting down in the living room and uh, there was silence, just silence for the sudden for a few, for a, for a couple of minutes. And uh, again, I don't know anything about war, right? Never really war, but I'm looking at these people. I'm like, what is going on? What is, what's happening? And then I see the, their kids. They begin running, you know, they just ran. They left the room and uh, the father, then I heard their father saying, uh, you know, be in different parts of the house for some reason. And I'm looking at my mom and I'm asking her in Spanish, what's going on? I, I'm talking in Spanish, I, I, like what's going on? And then uh, uh, I hear this noise. So it turned out the noise of a missile being uh, sent into the town where we were. Right? Jeez. And it was Jesus so loud. it was so loud, like so loud, so loud. Like, like, and then it hit the ground. So it's coming, right? And uh, my my aunt, I saw, I looked at my aunt, and my aunt already is praying. <laughs> She's praying. Right. And they were doing the pray uh, that they do. The Muslims do a pray when they know they're gonna die <laughs> if they're in their death bed and they're not. You know, it's basically yeah. she's doing their praying in case that missile is gonna fall on us. And I'm thinking, what the, like what is going on in my hand? And I said, what the fuck, I came here to die? I mean, so the missile falls, the whole, everything, the whole house shakes, you know, the floor, and I mean, I'm shaking just talking about it. Everything shakes, right? The house is like a little, like a little earthquake, but with a loud, loud sound. So they hear a house nearby. And then there was again the head and again silence, just silence for a few seconds, silence. And uh, and then we hear screaming, you know, so they hit a house. We found out hours later that the house that they hit uh, was, you know, people they know, my aunt knows. Right. I think. And it was in the news uh, afterwards. Right? Um, so there were about 40 people in that house. 11 died. The other ones were injured. 
and there was a complete family that died there, uh, you know, from Canada, by the way. So the wife was born in Canada and raised in Canada. The husband was, uh, you know, a uh, Lebanese immigrant to Canada, and they had four children, and they all died in that in that hit. To me, it was a wake up, you know, it was a it's like, okay. This is not. I'm not watching a movie. This is not a fucking movie. I'm actually in the middle of a fucking war, and I can die any minute. It was day number three. I stayed there 12 more days, and uh, I really thought that I was not going to make it out. I really did. Uh, to make it out, to get out of there, it was it was so um, I was, uh, I, I don't know, I said, what can we do to get the fuck out of this place? I, my dad would call us from Venezuela, and he started offering people, like, uh, close to the area, right? taxis in Beirut or, or towns nearby outside that particular area, he was offering a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars to come and get us. And not even for that, money was worthless. Right. Like nothing. It was, uh, oh, I didn't sleep, uh, I didn't sleep well. Uh, every time a bomb fell, the, everything would shake. And every time it fell, it was like, okay, it didn't fall on us. That was always my, my mind. There was no electricity, no nothing to do, right? Water, there were uh, wells outside, so we didn't have water. Uh, food, uh, cans, food. It was terrible. Like, it was so terrible. And uh, I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, and by the way, not even uh, Hezbollah. Neither Israel's orders gave a fuck about the civilians. I, none of them gave a fuck about the civilians. Uh, we were all, uh, if we die, we were collateral damage. So, uh, and, and thank, thank you for sharing that. And I know that's very personal. And um, oh, I'm going to give you more details in person and I'm going to send you some photos. So you'll be very, you're gonna be very, very surprised. Uh, so that, that, was, that was also a very lopsided. Um, exertion of dominance. So you experienced Israel's militia dominance firsthand. I so you you may have you may feel you may feel like some of the Palestinians feel every day. Right. You got that feeling. You have this giant, this military giant right above you, and they, they could squash you at any second. Wow, you felt you felt that directly. I insist both sides, not just Israel in this case, it would be Hezbollah, right? Yeah. Both sides. Like, they didn't give a fuck. It's well, like, the, 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 the takeaway to me is that, and most people can't really relate to it, and that's why I'm so glad you brought to us this experience. As a citizen of the modern world, most of us have never experienced, what's, first off, what it's like to be in a war zone. Right. Second off, what it's like to be surrounded by some kind of ordinance like that. Yeah. Even if we've been around like guns and high-level firepower, the kinds of like explosives that we're talking about, bombs and rockets and explosions going off in a civilian area while you're there on the ground, uh, nobody as a citizen of the modern Western world really relates to that outside the bombings of London, mm -hmm. uh, way back from World War II, um, right? So like that experience is so surreal. And to think that these people have to live with this sometimes on a day-to-day -day basis out of the blue. Yes, it's crazy. incidents, you know. And the fear, the yeah. fear that it could happen, the fear that it could happen at any second. Irrespective of who's imploring these ordinances, the fact that this is happening anywhere in the world. Anywhere. You know, it's, like it's, they could, their neighbors could just be gone. It's just like that. 
you know, and there's there's nothing you can do. Nothing. You know. When I came back, I looked up that family. I don't remember the last name. I'm gonna send you this. Yeah. They're in Canada. They they covered. They were in uh, what city in Canada? Uh, Quebec, actually. They were, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, and there were photos of this family. You know that they were posted after I came back. Oh, when I came out, I couldn't believe it. To get out of the area, by the way, like talking about, uh, we tried to form a convoy. There were several cars, and we were shut up. Uh, so, uh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, it's like trying to get the out of that area was like so, like so hard. Like right now, I can get my get into my car and go anywhere I want. And the same. How way did uh, how did how did it eventually happen? How did you get out? We how have did you to walk. Out? We have to walk. Wow. So we went to a nearby uh, emergency hospital after they shot at the cars. Two of the cars, our car. So it was my mom, my aunt, and kids, and and there was a driver. It was a family, you know, a, a friend of my mom. There were another car that followed us, so uh, and it was my mom's idea. Let's go to this place. Right? It's an emergency in, in the nearby town. We went there and we had to wait for a few hours. And again, and they shot. They threw two missiles while we were in the hospital. Wow! Two wow. missiles together. <laughs> I couldn't believe I got out. Then after that, it calmed down after several hours. We were there by eight o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, there were three people. Uh, emergency you know uh, from the emergency hospital i think the nurse i don't know what, what their titles but people who work there i'm assuming they're nurses let's say they're all three nurses uh, finally they told us that it's a little bit more calm outside that the only way that either side so they uh, israelis or either they're not shooting at cars or they're not attacking cars people right if if they walk so we were told people have been walking from nearby towns to get out of that particular area. So we had to walk three hours, three hours fucking walk. Do you <laughs> think? Oh. Do you think the target was in fact civilians, or do you think there was a, a more elite target there? But it, it's not civilians. So, so again, it's, it's never really civilians. Like I said yesterday, they, I, I don't. I mean, to claim that uh israelis or you know they specifically target civilians i mean i don't know that's really far who who else who else would have been in that area where it becomes war crime and where it becomes controversial right exactly is is the utilization of that type of ordinance in any civilian area like who else was there opposite was was totally in that area that you were in that's that's where they're from yeah. So uh, any civilian casualty would be collateral damage. If I died, if we died there, we were go- we were going to be collateral damage. Over three thousand people died in that in that thirty something day. Wow! So after we walked, we made it to this town. When I made it there, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. It's like we're, we're kind of like halfway out of that out of that area then somebody we got to a hospital there in the, so it was outside the area where the conflict was where the hezbollah strong uh, hezbollah stronghold but was still in the south of lebanon so they called uh, um, a red cross uh, bus uh, uh, ambulance and uh, they agreed to take us a uh, little bit further closer to Beirut. we have to live in a <laughs> Uh, so we were one hour away from Beirut. We made it out. You know, so I said, I couldn't believe it. It's like, I, we made it alive. Uh, and we had to live on a boat. So we went on from uh, 
not Beirut, I didn't get all the way to Beirut, uh, another town close to Beirut, and it was on a boat to Cyprus. And then we went to the American embassy right there and finally That's we had to wait two days wow. later to make it to the United States. Well, I remember getting here into the airport and <laughs> driving here and coming beach daily here to my house. And I was like, fuck, I never, I really thought I, we were going to die there. Like I was uh, telling people you know. There's this feeling oh. you get when you come through customs and immigration, and I've never, I've, I've been through uh, life and death situations. Well, just kiss the floor. Yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> working, but, but, but as soon as you come through customs and immigration, and they stamp you, they say, welcome back home. Right. Yeah. They're trained to say that. And when they say that, sometimes it has this meaning where you're like, yeah. oh my god, I just want to kiss the soil. Thank and for, for you, it did uh, yeah. incoming. Cheers to you, Kripa. I wish you had a craft beer in your hand right now, but you don't. I have, I have, I have shitty beers. I don't have craft beers tonight. So okay, well, my, mine's a shitty, mine's a shitty beer too. <laughs> but uh, cheers to you, incoming insight. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for sharing with us. That was a very personal story, and I'm glad that we, yeah. I'm glad that we've touched on topics that have caused you to to get emotional in this situation. Well, not, no, only that, not, not, not only that, to share something so personal and profound in life or death, and, to, and, it, and this brings is, a, it brings a reality to it. It's so history. Many of us, so many of us talk about this. Think yeah. about the millions of people around the world that talk about this, especially in recent weeks, just because we saw it in the news and we felt, oh, we care strongly for one side or care or feel for one side. But so few of us understand the reality and the implications of what it's like to be on the ground. Incoming like does. That happens. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. to be able to appreciate and feel so deeply what these people are going through, it gives it gives a lot of credence to everything that, that you've said yeah. so far. Like it really, it really. If, you, if, you, if you've made it this far, if you're listening, if you're watching, thank you all the people that are watching. But if you're listening and you made it this far, rewind and listen to this woman speak. Okay. Listen to her. Don't disregard her. Like, there's one guy I don't like addressing the comments, but there's one guy that was being a fucking goon. He was being a troll. And, uh, like, he has no idea. Like, he has, that, that person has no idea what you've been through. And thank God I blocked him. I, I, I wasn't watching that I saw it. I'm not going to say anything that he said. But anyway, that guy's yeah, fucking gone. Most, like, a lot, of, a lot of even, like, people that sign up to fight wars, you know? Have not been in that kind of situation. No idea. No idea. Yeah, even American heroes that have signed up to go out there and be badass. Never seen it. Haven't seen. I've been on the ground where shit like that's blowing up. Especially in Iraq, that you can do. Especially in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, like that's that's not how the war was fought. You got to take cover and pray. Yeah, just fucking. You're totally helpless. Totally helpless. I don't know what the formal training for a situation like that would be. But I, I assume it would just be to take cover and hope for the best. There's nothing much else yeah. you can do. What else can you do? You're fucked. Right? It's You're like fucked. It's, it's like dealing with a severe natural disaster that's man-made. Now, now imagine, imagine that you are quarreling with a nation directly and intensely that has the ability to do that any day. How much that must weigh on your emotional capacity and your psyche. It changes the way you think. It, 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 it creates hate. Out of nothing. It generates hate. It, it generates hate. It creates it, man. Like, there's no way you can't hate people who can squash you in a second. It's so complicated. But I want to, I want to, we, we got, I, I want to listen to this guy. Um, I, I'm a big fan of this guy. Um, I'm, I don't really fall on the political spectrum, but I guess if I was, if I was to label myself, I would call myself a centrist, I guess. That doesn't really apply, but that's how I think. And this guy is an old school blue dog liberal who um, 
kind of had his way, and now and now now has drifted right into the center. So I, I like his I like his point of view. I don't agree with everything he says, but this is um this is Tim Tim Pool on the on the on the situation that's going on right now. Let's watch him right now. Let's check it out. One second, I'm just gonna check that out. This is called Israeli troops enter Gaza. This looks like war, and Israel wants it to be final. Let's watch it. This first massive breaking story, of which I will first admit, I know a decent amount, but there's so much conflicting information about Israel and Palestine. Depending on who you ask, they will tell you you're lying, it's misinformation. And depending on which source you read, they'll give you conflicting information. There's some big hubbub right now because some celebrity put out this meme where it was like, Israel are just colonists who are stealing land. Depending on where you go, you can get a, you can get a fist in the face based on what you're saying. But I, I, I got to be honest, I think we know which direction typically is the one going to be throwing those punches, and it's going to be the, the left-wing groups. And I just want to point out, right, so the big news is that Israel tro uh, Israeli troops have entered Gaza. Again, there's conflicting information. We'll, we'll get into this stuff. I'm just confused right off the bat how leftist groups are very much in support of, 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 you know, of, of Palestine and Gaza when their ideology is just not allowed in these places. But isn't that weird? You know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely weird. But, you know, it's sort of like in war, <coughs> you make alliances with unlikely friends, you know, and that's what they've done yeah. because at, it, at their core, you know, Marxism and this sort of Islamist jihadists over there in Hamas they're aligned in wanting to destroy the West, and they're very anti-Israel. Did you so, did, did you see what happened in um, Birmingham in the UK, where the the school wanted to do an LGBT curriculum, yep. and then the Muslims came out, and like women in like niqab were protesting, and it, it was just crazy. There was a like a, there was a gay guy saying like we're fighting for you, and they're like get out of here, and they were insulting him and using slurs. It's crazy stuff. I, I don't want to derail too much. Let's let, let me let me pull this up. We got the Washington Post here. All right, the Washington Post says it's true. Israeli troops have crossed into the Gaza Strip. The Israeli military said early Friday as artillery tanks and warplanes joined in a withering assault on the Palestinian enclave and the Israeli military readied at least three brigades of troops for action, raising the prospect of an all out ground invasion. Just after midnight, the Israeli military announced that, that air and ground forces had joined in an attack on Gaza, but a military spokeswoman did not detail the number or type of troops that had crossed the border. For most of Thursday, the air war between Israelis and Palestinians had raged unabated with casualties uh, continuing to climb on both sides amid rocket fire and airstrikes. So I, I, we saw a story where I guess first Israel wiped out a bunch of Hamas commanders. Then we heard Hamas was like, OK, OK, we're done. And then Israel was like, nah. And then Hamas was like, all right, and then fired a bunch more rockets. Do you, have you been following this? I have been. And oh, I it's... think I think the first part of it, you know, where this all starts is they always use the propaganda of children as human shields. And that's how you get to this point is that, you know, they like to pretend that Israel is doing what they're doing with settlements for no reason, you know, in the and, West Bank, in the West Bank. And so, so what's the reason for it? I think the real reason is historically, you know, Hamas and groups like them, they wanted to push Jews into a part of Israel that was really only nine miles wide. And it, that's from sea to foothill. And the reason for that was because they could essentially trap them into an area where they were very vulnerable and could, you know, take like them Gaza? out. Like Gaza? Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the idea, though, is that those areas they used as places to bring weapons. And so those weapons could be used on the Jews in Israel and now Arabs in Israel as well. And so protecting that point was very important. And it was something that has been, you know, a core in terms of the IDF's ideology and Israel's ideology since the Six Day War. 
And so it's an important part of maintaining their security for their citizens, which is their, you know, of utmost importance. And if I was running Israel, same sort of thing, you got to keep your people safe. So I think that's they're protecting to make sure that weapons don't get into those areas. So there there is a video that's going viral where this uh, Palestinian, I think he's in the West Bank, is being interviewed. And he, he basically says that the Israelis are coming and claiming they have the right to the buildings, to the property. And they're 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 uh, they're calling it an eviction when they have no legal claim to any of this land anyway. And they're slowly removing Palestinians from the West Bank. So this went viral because, you know, the CNN lady was like, how do you, you know, how do you respond to, you know, they're saying that you're that these are evictions. And the guy was like, do you support the displacement of my people? So what, what's going on here? I mean, I don't know if you're well, I don't think you're an expert on this or anything. No, but. not entirely. But I do know a good deal about the history. And so essentially, you know, I think there's also people who state claims to that same land who are Jewish that, you know, essentially like who's going to be the court for that? Who's right, going to decide right. which is which? And the other thing people have to keep in mind is Hamas uses what looks like normal people in emotional situations as a weapon. So in those areas, if you see a video of a crying child and it's 10 seconds long, and then there's a post along with this, is this kid's crying because an Israeli soldier just did whatever to their dad. Right. There's no proof of that actually happening, but they use that all the time. You know, a Hamas, um, you know, news outlet just put out that if you see rockets coming don't film it from your windows please Let, you shouldn't be able to see those rockets from your windows there, there's there's a meme where it's uh there's you know you know the npc meme yeah like the, so there's, the, there's an npc guy and i guess he's wearing a my hat or something and he's like israel has a right to defend itself and the regular guy says so does palestine and then it shows the npc pause and then get angry and i'm like well ho hold on hold on uh who fired the rockets first who, who, who's, who, which, which, which side was it? Palestine or was it Israel that How fired? How far back are you going to go? No, no, no. I'm, well, I'm, you ta I'm talk talking about, about right it, now. It, now. Like a week because, ago. Yeah. You, who fired the rockets first? Hamas. What, uh, so, so who's defending who? Yep. Israel's what, defending what, 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 How is it self-defense when they fire a bunch of rockets into civilian areas? Because they're under siege. Where? In, in the West Bank. Be because, because people in the West Bank are being kicked out of their houses. They, they don't have access to fresh water. They, they can only be outside certain hours. So, they so, have got to cross military checkpoints. Okay, so because there's a conflict in the West Bank, Hamas in Gaza fires rockets into various <coughs> cities and civilian areas? It's messed up. That's, 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 that's okay. So the reason that's, they call that terrorism, because in war, typically you target military targets, or yep. when you have a conflict in the West Bank, the conflict is in the West Bank. For them to fire rockets indiscriminately all throughout Israel... To me, I just look at that and I'm like, I understand, like, if I had, had landed, it was being, you know, taken over, whatever, you know, uh, settled, I'd be upset too, but I don't see how you win a war by firing rockets indiscriminately into, like, schools and buses and civilian areas. Yep. So I just don't and not it. only that, they set it up so that when Israel does respond, so 300 rockets come from a place in a residential area where they're firing them off, when Israel responds, innocent people die, so kids die. And they do that because at the end of the day, those kids are not kids to them. They don't see them as innocent, beautiful little human beings. They see them as weapons and shields. So they know that in the media, especially in the Western media, if you have that headline that two kids died, that that is an emotional. It even I mean, it, it hurts everybody who yeah. who, you know, has a heart because they're kids. But they do that intentionally because they know that's going to be the case. That's why that news story came out saying, don't film us shooting rockets from outside your window. Why are you outside the windows of normal people shooting rockets? It's, it's, it's really hard to figure out what's going on, too, because I don't speak the language. And you see these propaganda videos, yep. and from both sides, right? There'll be a video of a guy, and he's speaking Arabic. And then, you know, I watched one video where there's a guy on the phone yelling, and it was from a pro-Israel uh, commentator saying, this is a warning that, that Israel has, has called the guy and said, 
that there are, there are rockets being fired from your building. You need to get everyone out because in one hour, we're going to fire a knock bomb. It's going to you know, shock the building. And then I don't know if that's true because I can't understand a word that's being said. Yeah. But I can tell you, like I mentioned before, fire rockets indiscriminately. There, there was a meme I saw, and then I, th- I think it's fair, and I, th- I think it's fair to bring up. If, if Israel laid down all of its arms right now, the Iron Dome defense system, mm-hmm. what do you think would happen? They'd be wiped out. Yeah, they'd probably be overrun. And if Palestine, if, the, if Gaza laid down their weapons, what do you think would happen? Well, they, they basically had, except for the militant terrorist groups or the well, I mean, that's, that's the group, though, always that has arms, you know? Right. And, and the problem is, is that normal people... They're not doing anything to say, oh, this, we don't accept this. They're, they're accepting of that's the situation and that they run things, you know? That, no, that, look, so, I, I, I saw videos where the rockets are being fired by Hamas and people are, yay! They're cheering. They're cheering for it. Yeah. I, I understand, right? If I was in an area and I believed it was my land, look, the problem is both sides are going to claim they're right. They have moral superiority for whatever reason. And I, from the outside, am trying to assess what do we do right now to stop the pain and suffering and death. Exactly. And I see people cheering for rockets being fired indiscriminately into civilian areas. And I'm like, I understand the IDF uh, does airstrikes and surgical strikes, which also hit civilian areas. But Israel didn't fire the rockets first. Yeah. You can go back at Six Day War in Egypt and sign up, you know, all that stuff. Right now, everybody's chilling. There's tensions. Everybody's been fighting. They've been fighting for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you see this video of just rockets flying through the air. And then you see the aftermath because the Iron Dome can't intercept every single one. And I've, I've talked to people who uh, I, I've met, I met a skateboarder who was from Gaza who talked to me about a whole bunch of stuff. And it was really interesting. And his perspective was, was, was really nuanced. He's, he was like, the problem is it's a war with both sides asserting moral superiority. And he was like, my family decided to leave. And he was fortunate enough to get out. And then I've met people in Israel who are like, I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't know. All I know is that one day a rocket exploded above my apartment and I was terrified. So we're, we're, this has been going on for so long. It's, it's got to the point where, let me use another, another place as an example, the, uh, Belfast. You ever been to Belfast? No. Northern Ireland? Ireland, yeah. So there's, they have something called the Peace Wall. So it's, it's crazy what was going on in Northern Ireland. Not the same thing, but I remember when I was there and I was being showed around by this, by this dude. He, and and on, on the one side of the Peace Wall... It's like free Palestine. And I was like, yeah, go figure. It's like a leftist thing. On the other side, it said pro-Israel. And I was like, why are people in, in it? What is this? This is, this is Belfast. And what, what the dude there said to me was, it's tribal. It's, it's been so ingrained, the hatred between each side, that they don't really care as to what's causing the fight. The fight is here. The fight is real. And they want to wipe the other side out. Quite cool in there. What do you guys think about that? Uh, incoming, what, what's your thoughts on that? objective uh it's still i think my first reaction is that he's still talking about it as if it's again like a video game like uh, you know if uh, if he shot rockets then we should uh rockets too it's uh i mean so that, that would be my only type of protest i understand yes that uh, they do have the right to protect themselves absolutely but i think they are uh, way stronger and they can do a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And kids don't have to be involved. Like, I mean, they're really, really precise. They can, I mean, if they can kill one specific person, they kill this Iranian. One person, it was, It took several months. Uh, you know, they did it, the Israelis, and it was only one person. And I read that uh, this uh, Iranian um, chemist who is uh, involved with the uh, 
you know, Iranian um, nuclear program. Nuclear program, right? Thank you. And uh, he was one of the masterminds, I guess. And uh, Israeli was <clears throat> able to kill it, and his wife was sitting like close to him, and the wife was untouched. Nothing happened to her. So if Israel can be that precise, then it can be really even more precise again, and right there, like that. But I, I think so. D d does Palestine have the same ability to be precise? No, as Israel has. Supposedly, no. They don't have the same. Uh, right, know, because because it, Israel has been has been precise in their retaliation. Right, the military is strong, but again, yeah, they have more rockets. Things. I mean, yeah, yeah it's not yeah. ideal either, right? It can cause harm. Yeah, but of Israel course, of course. Military. But 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 I think I think the issue that Israel has with Palestine's aggression is that it wasn't precise. Right. I mean, or, or my issue, I guess, it wasn't really Right, right, not. right. If you what want you to think, target Kappa? Hamas, then, you know, target Hamas, but not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I, I think, unfortunately, there's it's very difficult for any other nations to independently take action. Um, a demilitarized zone might be potentially considered down the line. <clears throat> but clearly there's uh, people crossing uh, borders. What if they demilitarize Jerusalem? Well, no, I, the thing is, you're not dealing with much landmass, right? Like, the entirety of Israel is 22,000 square kilometers. I looked it so up. So it would be really the, easy the to demilitarize it. The entirety of Houston is 24,000 square kilometers. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of what kind of landmass we're talking about. So, like, I think ultimately uh, there might have to be some kind of impartial uh, United Nations sanctions or actions. Yes, I agree. I agree. If, if in fact there is someone else evidence, has to come in, someone else has to come in. Yeah, there exactly. needs to be a third party. There needs to be a third party. Right, especially if there is evidence to suggest that civilian casualties are be taking up to the thousands by Israeli forces. Yes, yeah, something yeah. needs. So, a third party has to get involved. They're they're not. It's not working. Whatever they're doing is not working. Someone else needs to step in. I don't know who that's going to be. But it sounds like that's an American type of thing to do. I'm Canadian. Right. You guys do that kind of shit. We don't. <laughs> but it's but it sounds it sounds like this is an American incentive. Something the Americans need to do something as the global power of the world that is in their hands to fix this situation. And they're not fixing it. They're and, not fixing it. And that's where it becomes very political in the actual sense of the word, more so than like what we consider like political rhetoric, which is we've always blindly given open support to israel very much so insofar and i don't think that i don't think that's doing anything that's not doing well, anything no but the, the thing is the thing is for it's like a game of risk right for a major player's stance to change with an existing relationship to the stance and of another major player that requires a lot even if it is the simple role change or stance from conditional support to unconditional support. That right. in and of itself is a major statement to be made by a player this late into the stage of the game. Right. And I, I, I'm, I'm under the firm belief that a bipartisan equal force needs to come in to set forth a program for these people to abide by. And I don't know what the consequences will be of not abiding that plan, but someone else needs to take control. It's, it's out of control. It's out of well, control. There needs to be some kind of place, either sanctions or uh, United Nations action. There are people, there are countries more powerful than Israel. There are many countries more powerful than Palestine. Something needs to happen. A power needs to take, lead by example, and come in and support both 
nation states equally and form a solution that works for everybody that generates the most amount of peace possible. But has, but has that ever really kind of worked before? No, but no one's tried. No one's we tried. Have, we have, though, but historically... Britain, Britain, is, but Britain especially did, in the Middle and they East, fucked everything up. But historically, for 2,000 years, I think people have come in and tried to bring their own version of quote-unquote stability to the region. And historically speaking, even irrespective of the region of the Middle East, whenever this has happened, ultimately the only long-term sustainable solution is for the people of their own region to come to some form of solution. Otherwise, they won't maintain the standards of whatever it is that we decide for. Imply, impose, right? yeah. But, but what may have to happen is there, there, there has to be some Western leadership speaking up into, hey... Israel, it can't be just going into Palestine, which in and of itself, yeah. And you, is you, pretty you, fucking big. you both, you both got to stop fucking around. Israel's not right yeah. all the time. Palestine's not right all the time. No, you're no, both fucking around, and like, the, the fucking around, the fucking <laughs> around has to stop on yeah. both sides. On both sides. Yeah, I mean, like the the world is watching, kind of. You know, they need, they need to be let down. So and, yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody has the right to defend themselves. I'll never understand. Uh, now that, that, that that's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Do you think do you think that something should be done to increase Palestine's ability to defend themselves? So it's more of an equal playing field. So maybe the respect might be earned from Israel towards Palestine. <clears throat> well, whatever the reasons might be, or whatever the side, right? It's it's like it's like the video I was talking about the more centered video. The approach we got to it's like okay, I don't know or care much for the particulars or history of this battle. But that's I know right. that, a, that a fucking rocket went off a couple floors above my apartment complex. Exactly. That scares the shit out of me. Or, or, or my, fa- my, family, my family left the country because of the indecisiveness. Yeah, right. Or like, you know, and whatever, whatever the stance may be, I think ultimately most people that are drawn into this, they have the right to defend themselves. And there is this instability in the region, and there is casualties, and there is life. And very lopsided power. Very lopsided power. Well, and, and both sides don't seem to be wavering in any which one way. Um, there isn't no. really like, okay, how can we settle on this? So the question is, what will happen? And now the eyes of the world are finally there, at least people like us, even though yeah. we don't feel the real world implications of something happening outside living in a war zone all the time, at least we're open to having the dialogue of these things. That's before right. it was a very politically polarized issue where most people didn't even entertain it as a as a talking point. So right. that, that's the progress. So, that so maybe maybe this this what's of. happening us doing this um, the world the, the the Western world doing this because the United States has the most power militarily. Maybe this is exactly what needs to be happen is that it needs to become pop culture to be discussing these issues. And maybe that's gonna generate some protest and some and some and some sided government talks that approach this situation from a third party existence. Well, it, it may seem sad, but there is some beauty to it. The most profound thing that we can do as Western minds in a world where we are free to express ourselves, our own ideologies and our beliefs, is to entertain a dialogue. To accept and entertain thoughts that we may not necessarily believe in, but just to recognize them. Because giving them that much attention makes it something real, something that we can do about, something that we can address. Yeah, that's right, exactly. It it makes it malleable, it makes it able to, to work with. And even though that may not be all the progress that is needed to net a result in a solution right now, some kind of resolution to the conflict. It's a start. It's a start. It's, a step. it's always a step in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. What do, what do you think, uh, incoming? Well, ideally, uh, in Israel and in Palestine, I mean, we they have they elect democratically, right? They make sure that it's democratic and they elect more progressive 
uh, open-minded, right? Uh, people who are interested, politicians interested in dialogue and, uh, and entertaining some type of solution. Uh, right now, both have uh, Palestinians, uh, Gaza or, or, or the West Bank, they have, uh, uh, let me say, conservative uh, type of governments. Right? And those, uh, I think they are, they don't, they're not in their best interest right? for both sides. Uh, the conservatives in Israel is not in their best interest of the Jews that really you know, want to, and the same in the Palestinians, but they want to live in peace. So ideally, that's what they do. They elect democratically people who are more progressive, open to dialogue, and they, again, they reach uh, what is they think that is the best solution. The United States has tried before to reach some type of agreement. I, I, I do recall uh, Clinton actually uh, inviting the Palestinians and the uh, Israelis uh, here into the United States into reach a dialogue and they were talking if i remember correctly about returning uh, you know creating a two-state uh you know if, if, if you can look it up uh it was, it was a very important event clinton and uh, the plo and uh israel i don't recall who was the prime minister at that time of israel but uh, they were proposing the 1968 uh you know where uh, partition yes before the settle, settlers, uh, and uh, it, it didn't happen. The Palestinians backed up. So, so they've been tried, but that was a, an important one, and it was almost, almost, almost there, but it didn't work. No, yeah, I have a great memory, and that was during the Clinton times. <clears throat> that the head of the head of Israeli state at that time was Netanyahu, and uh, Arafat for Palestine. <laughs> But uh, no, very much so discussing what you're um, getting to, and talks were made, but they never did fully arrive to a conclusion there. Right. And that was uh, 96, and, uh, and 90s, uh, sorry, not 90s, uh, yeah, sorry, 96. But uh, the question of the Jewish settlement territories is obviously, as we've been talking about throughout this hour, uh, these last few hours, is uh, especially pertaining to the implications of the 1967 Six-Day War, uh, in which, which yeah, these... Yeah, uh, that, that was referenced quite often. Yeah, yeah, and that's what all these people are talking about, which ultimately arose to these uh, physical, like, land disputes. So. Right, right. Now, now, has has Palestine ever democratically elected their leader? They did democratically elect Hamas. That's what I said. I may remember again. So Hamas, Hamas was elected. Yes. Yes. So, 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 so the general population supports Hamas and their actions. What is interesting is, and is like, why would they elect uh, Hamas? I, oh my God. And I remember that the Israelis' response was is that they elected the wrong people. And uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, they elected the wrong people. I, you know, there are so many factors, right? Uh, so many factors. In uh, Hamas, they do have. Uh, they offer. Not sure how much you know offer. They do receive a lot of international aid, and what they do, which is similar to what Hezbollah do, is they offer a lot of uh, social programs. And uh, I mean, and remember again, this is Gaza. It's like uh, it's uh, Gaza is usually uh, referred to as the biggest open jail in the world. Right. Area, right? So, so there's a lot of factors that influence those people. Chank, Chank uh, referred to it as that. Right. Uh, let, let me get this straight. He was the only one, right, left, and center. He was the only one that referred to it as that. Right. Well, well, the, well the issue being is right. Like, and uh, we were talking about it a little bit earlier too. Is like, if you want to leave these areas, you can't. Especially the Gaza Strip. Like, there's no real bordering neighbor nation. 
except to the south where like they're going to notice you're going across so if you try to you leave, can't you're you be can't get in you can't get in they won't let you in they won't let you leave so it is a jail in theory right exactly so there's definitely that issue so there's the question question of what do we do with the people that want to be relocated and show what, what what kind of relocation should take place if any and uh yeah oddly uh, palestine is one of those interesting things because sadly it's like it was one of the earliest and most successful ex uh, experiments when it comes to arab democracy but obviously the amount of affiliation and corruptness if you will to hostile causes yeah unfortunately Right, so it's it's really one of those things, and it becomes very sensitive. But we know some kind of action needs to be taken in the region. And, and I think um, it need, I think it needs to be third party. I think it needs to be yeah. third party. I think it needs to be you guys. It needs to be Americans. I really think it does. I, I think I think we need to stay out of the region. I, I'm 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 just prepping for World War Three with China. China, we're gonna take down Disney. I wonder what happens to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, okay. So we're we're winding down here. Um, incoming, uh, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you give us your final thoughts on the entire situation? Kind of generalize everything into, into one little paragraph. Right. Ah, one little paragraph. Oh, my God. I, I don't a couple know. little paragraphs. A big a paragraph. Minutes, a, many many a, paragraphs. Okay. Yeah, as long many as paragraphs. An essay. I guess look at the situation, uh, not, uh, not trying to, um, to assess, I guess, the situation through a moralistic type of or not looking at it through a, through a lens of moral uh, dispute. No, just look at the situation again as a, just look at the facts. And uh, I think to stick with uh, democracy, right? Democratic values. And uh, don't pick a side. I think I'm making a list and not necessarily a paragraph, right? Just don't pick a side. Uh, it's, uh, I'm more uh, with the people than with, the, with their governments. And I'm hoping again that perhaps one day they elect people who are more progressive, that uh, right. will really be more interesting in the best interests of their own people, right? right? Jews and the and the, and the Palestinians. Kripa, right? Kripa, what's your final thoughts, brother? Well, so first and foremost, Conscience, thank you for bringing up this uh, very relevant and pertinent topic. Insofar as the media coverage to it in the last few weeks and what's actually happening in real time over there, God may know. Uh, incoming insight always a pleasure having you on our podcast thank you for sharing your personal experiences and kind of bringing this human element as to what people most often don't realize it's like to be in a war zone even um thank you for sharing that and expressing that with us it's uh, very very pertinent and important and we take it for granted as we get to just have a civil discussion about bombs going off in a country so far away um insofar as what's actually happening right now i have nothing but utmost respect for both the israeli governments and insofar as the, uh, specifically their intelligence apparatus um, I think it's brilliant I think what they've done as a nation state is nothing but honorable especially considering what they've gone through in, in recent history for the last hundred years um, but I am openly against the mass relocation of people I'm against civilian casualties and indiscriminate warfare and I think that a peaceful conclusion with less casualties and collateral can be reached if and only if we are open up we open up and engage in dialogue and that may be the first step and i think uh what we get to do on shows like this and as people today just by reading the news and talking to our friends and getting it out there is we we start that dialogue That's we right. open it up we make it a talking point for big wigs with more expertise to actually address this Mm -hmm. And um, so I think we've made a little bit of progress there. And uh, whatever solution that we do arrive at, I believe it, it is the most sustainable solution in the long term, even if 
third party action may have to be taken and taken in in, in, in the intermediary uh, for the people of this native region to arrive at that conclusion. Otherwise, right. whatever conclusion we arrive at will not be sustained in the long term. Right. I, I you know, Kripa, you're yeah. you're brilliant. I love that we do this podcast. I love being able to do this. Uh, incoming, thank you so much for entertaining my wild ideas to entertain these discussions. It's the pride and joy of my life. Like, I love it. Kripa, thank you for showing up with your mind as sharp as it always is. Uh, as far as Israel-Palestine goes, I, I, I firmly believe there is a cultural, geographical, and power struggle that is going on that is beyond the control of the citizens that live there. Forget the powers that be with their propaganda. Forget what these people are telling you. Forget what the left wing and the right wing and the, and, and the center people are telling you. There are citizens that are suffering. And to the, to the citizens of those nation states, you have to look at yourself and say, learn to love what you hate. Peace is the only answer. It's the only way this is going to get solved. Please look deep within yourself and look past your transgressions and other people's bad behaviors and try and find some way to move forward in a positive light. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you all for watching the show. This is Bruise Beards and Brains. Uh, you two stick around after the podcast ends and, uh, and we'll have a little chat and maybe set something up again. Cheers. Thank all you. All right, everybody. Have, have a good night. Cheers. Catch you next week.